sometimes when people call the barbershop, I just go, barbershop. I love the barbershop phones. Scones. Crulers. Is that Wayne's World reference? Yeah. It doesn't work without the visual. I realized right after I did it. I was like, you can't see what we're doing. You have no fucking idea. It was good. Yeah. I'll pull it from the from the camera. I for one like Wayne's World. Who doesn't like Wayne's exactly. World? Exactly. If you don't like Wayne's World. I don't like you. When we were outside earlier and Jill mentioned ass chugging shots. I was thinking, do you remember that episode of My Strange Addiction where the couple were addicted to giving each other enemas? No. no. Tell yeah. us more. I don't know. That's what the entire episode is about. That's it. But like in the end, like and they were and these people had fucking children, by the way. Right. And it was so bad that like they didn't work. They were on disability. They were just like giving each other five to six enemas a day. <laughs> a day. A day. <laughs> How do you keep anything in there at all? I don't know. Like, you're not. And then like you know, so it's like uh, somebody come. They have an intervention, and somebody better come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> six <laughs> times a day. But anyway, they they sit them both down, and finally the the wife was like, "All right, you, this probably needs to stop." Right. You know. And the husband was like, nope, I'm good. And then at the end, it was like, Sally left and moved in with whoever the fuck. And Jim's still giving himself six enemas a day. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. You chose that over your wife. Yep. Wow. So we're doing that after this episode, right? Correct. Enemas. I think it's uh, yeah, a bonding thing. We don't have to do six of them, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. maybe two each. Mm-hmm. Right. Cool. <laughs> Just like most things, you know, it's fine as long as you don't finish. What do you call that? Tandem... Tandem enemying? <laughs> uh, yeah. A tandem flush out? Yeah. What is it? Isn't that what they call it when you're swimming? Tandem swimming? What's yeah. that? Yeah, I think okay. so. I'm not a professional swimmer. There's water. I know I what you speak. I guess you could be yeah. doing enemas with anything. It doesn't have to be. Water can be Mountain Dew. Yeah. <laughs> or Fago. I, I did secure some more Surge cans, so we could do it with Surge. Yeah. Perfect. Feed the rush. <laughs> Welcome to the Fright Zone. I'm Greg. I'm Nate. I'm Hogan. This episode, we're talking about the 1985 horror classic, Reanimator. It's the story of a promising medical student whose life is turned upside down when his spooky roommate discovers a way to bring the dead back to life, and their jealous professor seeks to steal the discovery for himself. I gave him life. <laughs> <laughs> Not the... It's, it's hard. This movie is full of quotes. I know. Like, uh, I, I wrote a ton of stuff down. Yeah, I... I had a hard time picking up what my favorite quote is, but I think I got to one that I, I like a lot. Yeah. Uh, directed by the late, great Stuart Gordon, who made such classics as From Beyond, Dolls, Robot Jocks, Castle Freak, Dagon, Space Truckers, and more. He was one of the writers of the Disney classic, Kind of Shrunk the Kids, also, which is pretty weird to think about. I didn't know that. Dude, imagine if he would have made Kind of Shrunk <laughs> the Kids for Disney. Yeah. It's right. crazy here that Brian Usner wrote it, too. It's him and Brian Usner and some other guy wrote Yeah, Jeffrey Kinda Combs as Auntie. Oh, man. <laughs> um, he, he's, a, he's definitely a well-respected director in the world for um, Stuart passed away in March of 2020. I'm not sure if it was because of Corona or what, but he's sadly no longer with us. Um, it's a shame he never got to make the long talk about House of Reanimator because that would have been fucking awesome. If you like this, the reason I want to mention this because in that list, you left out Dagon. And I was going to oh, say, I said Dagon. you did? Yeah. Man, it's sweet. I don't know what happened. I didn't hear it. You got so excited I heard about robot jocks is probably what it was. And I got so excited about <laughs> robot jocks 
that I just didn't hear dig on. I do love that movie, Robot Jocks. And Fortress is super cool, too. Fortress I didn't mention. That is great, too. That's, yeah. yeah. Uh, when we were going through all those tapes you just got, Hogan, did you say you'd never seen Robot Jocks? Correct. Man. Have you seen Crash did... and Burn? No. Oh, that's a good dub- double header. Okay. Do those two. I, honestly, Robot Jocks and Space Truckers is a great double feature, too. Yeah, or Arena. You can match up <laughs> Arena with like any of those. That's one of the quintessential, 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 quintessential. Okay, quintessential, quintessential. That's one of those Canadian Band movies. <laughs> it's a quintessential. It's a fun like you can tell. It's kind of when Charles Band was trying to create like a universe, and these were characters, and he was gonna do more with them, but he didn't. So it comes off as very like an hour and a half long episode of Star Trek, but the costumes are great. <laughs> so. The pageantry is there. The pageantry. Empire was like full throttle. Oh, man. <laughs> I Robot Jocks is one that um, you should push that up your list of things you need to watch, Hogan, because yeah. it's fucking awesome. I wrote it. I made a note. Watch Robot Jocks immediately. Okay. <laughs> Get in there. Um, but Stuart and his wife, uh, Carolyn Purdy Gordon, uh, they ran the Organic Theater in Chicago and uh, decided they had so many talented players, they should make a movie. And uh, Stuart loved like the old Hammer movies. He loved horror movies. And he was like, I'm going to make a horror movie for these guys. We could do it low budget. And uh, he originally wanted to make uh, adapt. Well, one of his friends suggested that he should adapt something from Lovecraft because like public domain, you know, you can do it and right. have to pay for all the it's rights like and stuff. Five million years old. Yeah. Um, from the dawn of time. Uh, so. <laughs> oh, wait, that's Cthulhu. It's five million years older. The whatever. deep ones. Um, so he fell in love with uh, Herbert West, the reanimator, the original story, and he started adapting the original six part series. And his hope was that he was going to shoot it cheap and then sell it to PBS. And it was more like straight up adaptation of the original stories. Right. Um, and PBS, of course, wasn't interested at all. Like uh, the kind of like the Corman, Vincent Price type stuff. Yes. A hundred percent like style. that. Like that's what he wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and basically no one was interested. And then he met Yuzna and that's when it kind of became more like, no, let's turn it into a movie. Let's modernize it. Yeah. You know, let's add a bunch of gore. You yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. I mean, yeah. <laughs> ah! <laughs> uh, but that's what kind of turned it into what what we all know and love. Um, so the script uh, was written by Stewart uh, himself, Dennis Paley, who uh, co-wrote From Beyond with Stewart, and he also co-wrote Dagon and Ghoulies Part Two. <laughs> nice. I love Ghoulies too. That's one of the best sequels. Uh, and then also this guy William Norris who didn't write anything else. <laughs> yeah. Um, the original story only had so much rocket sauce, yeah. and he used it all on Reanimator. Uh, yeah, you, you stuff like that. You always got to wonder, like, well, how much did they even do then? Is it more yeah. like he was just a homie who was in the room and he had like one great suggestion for one scene? So like, well, we have to give him a fucking. You definitely credit. see people that look like they're desperate for film credits. It's like <laughs> they'll have a movie and it's like a cool ass movie and it just says uncredited. It's like so you like. Mixed the latex for somebody yeah. one day, and well, you worked friend, on reanimator. Yeah, I was there. And... <laughs> well, funny you bring that up, Nate, because I have a I have a note here that you're really going to enjoy. The nice. lead special effects artist on this uh, worked mainly in the art department in his career, um, but one of the many roles that he also had in his career, and that's on his IMDb, is he was a carpenter on Roadhouse. Oh, sick! <laughs> yeah, like built he built the double he built deuce. the bar. Yep. <laughs> that's awesome. I looked up the other guy. I saw the guy that you were talking about, but I didn't. Uh, the guy I was looking up was Brett 
Culpepper. Culpepper. That's who you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. Oh, he, no. No. I'm, look, you're I'm looking, looking at, at the other guy. What? Uh, I didn't get to him. Oh, shit. I didn't even write his name down. <laughs> <laughs> I almost didn't. I went back and wrote Brett Culpepper like later. Yeah. But he did Space Raiders, What Waits Below, which is an awesome, like, obviously pre the descent cave dweller flick which is way better at the beginning and then once they show him it is like an episode of star trek nothing bring that up again but like the cost the pageantry is like they're painted white and they have like kind of like ragged clothing you know they don't look scary um but he also was uh, worked on the stuff which is yep. great mm, love it yeah. um one more note this guy too he was in beastmaster 2 as the general's hands De- uh, deactivating a bomb. <laughs> his hands were in the guy who built the, the built the barn wrote us. Well, I don't. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's, nice. that's one the of his credits that built the double deuce. Shut can down a be bomb. Seen <laughs> defusing a bomb in Beastmaster Two. Yep. Wow. <laughs> Uh, deep, <laughs> deep cuts. And we will definitely get into more special effects stuff because there's so fucking much of it in this movie. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah. So so the script. Um, based off the original 1922 H.P. Lovecraft story, Herbert West Reanimator, um, which was, again, six parts, and it was originally released serialized in a publication called Homebrew. Um, Between October of 1921 and June of 1922. Yes. And uh, in that story, Dan is the implied narrator. They never say the name of Dan in it. Uh, if you read the original stories, they're all told from the perspective of someone that was a colleague of Herbert's. Okay. So it's implied that's Dan. It's like sure. they basically turned that into Dan in the movie. So I think, I think that's interesting. Like there needs to be um, another character to tell the story later. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's cool. So basically after uh, Gordon, you know, met with Yuzna, he left his theater in Chicago and he went to LA uh, leaving his wife behind to continue running the theater. So um, with that, we can jump in to this movie. Set the stage. We're at in, uh, We're in Switzerland sw- at yes. Doctor Gruber's office. Oh, Doctor Gruber! Where some shit's going down. Yeah, the security is coming down the hallway with authority. They yeah. something fucking's going on. They they gotta see what's going on. There's some place. screaming going on. There's some. There's a tussle of a sort of sorts. <laughs> and we <laughs> so we get in there and. Uh, you know, they're they're pounding the way they want and there's a bunch of screaming and stuff. They get in the door and uh well one, we, we meet Herbert West here, who's played by Jeffrey Combs, so I guess we can we can derail for a second and break down Jeffrey Combs because he deserves some talking probably. Oh yeah, and I yeah. got some shit to say. Oh man. <laughs> uh I mean, this is definitely the role he's gonna be remembered for forever. I mean, like it's I mean, he's in a ton of stuff. I mean, this is such an iconic role. Yeah. And this is such a top shelf horror film. I mean, like he can't escape this role. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's legendary. Like, I don't know when we do our ratings, but this is a five. Oh, absolutely. All day long. Uh, for me too. Absolutely. Lot, yeah. This um, is a perfect movie. Um, uh, but he's in a number of pictures in addition to reprising his role in the Reanimator sequels. He's, he frequent collaborator of Gordon. I mean, he's in from beyond. He's in castle free. I've got a couple, um, cellar dweller robot jocks to, to connect it to the tales from the crypt, uh, demon night episode. He was in frighteners. Yeah. And frighteners absolutely. was supposed to be yes. one of the tales from the crypt movies, which is from Hogan's, uh, hero, Peter Jackson. Yeah. Wow. Hell yeah. And of course, uh, I did make a note here. 
Um, he's also in a bunch of Star Trek, which I'm sure Hogan can tell us all about. Yeah. Open that up, Hogan. So he was the first person to audition for William Riker, and Jonathan Frakes was so impressed by him that he ended up getting him uh, cast in several versions of Star Trek, including Next Generation Voyager, Deep Space Nine, and Enterprise. Oh. And he has played all of these eight characters. <laughs> oh, no Did you make that yourself in Photoshop? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Can, and, can I see that? Yeah. <laughs> I want to see. I'm not a big Trekkie, so I do want to see him in tons of makeup. If you could just send me a link to those episodes, (laughs) I'll watch all those. He's the only. He's uh, that guy. He's the only main character. (laughs) I like know this fucking alien. I never knew that was. I'm sure he's not him every time. He's the only. Which is this is a crazy thing, but he's the. He's the only actor who's ever been in two series finales that wasn't a main character. I think this is a pretty big deal. Yeah. So, So, like, whenever it's this guy, it's always him. No, <laughs> that's a, that's a race of people, right? Like, yeah, it's like the Klingon thing. Like, there's other guys that look like that. Correct. Right? Okay, I was like, those man, are, he those was are in like f- every episode I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I thought, like, I was like, holy fuck. Those are the Ferengi, and yes, we'll anyway. put we'll put that collage on our Instagram for the listeners to just be blown away by how much. Uh, he, oh, Jeffrey he's comes in, in Robot Jocks too, um, as well as Cellar Dweller. Yeah. Phantom Empire with Sybil Danning, which is an amazing, like, I don't even know how to explain that movie. And Cyclone, which is a cool sci-fi flick about a motorcycle. He's also in the mediocre 90s remake of House on Haunt Hill. Oh, damn. I hate that movie. (laughs) And Dr. Mordred, the wannabe Dr. Strange movie. Oh, I would love that. I actually have notes about that, but I put them after all my notes as more of a post-Reanimator talk. But I'll get into that right now if you want to talk about it. If you want to. Because you know I love me some comic books. That was supposed to be Dr. Strange. Yeah. Band had the rights for Dr. Strange. Sure. And they they just spent too long in pre pro. Like rights. they were basically right about to start shooting, and they realized the rights were out, so they just <laughs> fucking renamed characters in some locations. But like that was a Doctor Strange movie. Yeah, like Combs signed tell. on to be Doctor Strange for sure. Which I just think that's mind boggling now. Like how big MCU and all that crap is now. It's like wow, man, Jeffrey Combs could have been Doctor Strange. Yeah, but that'd be such an interesting entry in the Marvel. Oh man, back catalog universe. Yeah, <sighs> he's so good. But if you've never seen Doctor Mordred, that's that's. Should I write it down? Oh yeah. If, you, if, if you the wanna... idea of Do- of Doctor Strange being played by Jeffrey Combs is intriguing to you, hundred percent check that out. I have it on tape. If you do want to borrow it, okay. It's not like you'd have to get it back to me the next day. You know, I could have it for a year. That's Nate's <laughs> favorite movie. He watches it uh, weekly. It is in my small chunk of like Paramount released Full Moon movies, which I don't have a lot of. But there's this weird crossover period between Empire and full moon where I do like the vibe of those movies. And then once it became like full on like pulse pounders, full moon, universe, like evil bong. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was out. So after yeah. puppet master three, I tapped out head of the family. Oh fuck. So I, after you've brought up a couple of things, Nate, about what you can and can't say, like little people or, you know, actresses or actor what do you say or what do you say i guess i think little people's what you do say it's the other word you don't say talking to talk about the, the terror of tiny town no i'm not i'm not i'm not no but i was noticing in his imdb he is in jake and the fat man quite oh, a bit is. yeah nice. so i don't know can you say fat man is that acceptable fat man i think it's okay i think if you say chunkster <laughs> i mean i'm Blobby a fatter was... man than i was before the pandemic you know like yeah, I, and i know it you know Okay. I'm a hunky boy. I'm a husky boy. I, 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 I just was curious. Man. I'm not sure if I just don't know if you could make that show today. Jake and the pleasantly plump detective, I think, is <laughs> but what it would be called. Pointing out that somebody's fat 
is fat shaming and we had to deal with that with Freddie the other day. So you, you Freddie only... was hugging, or some kid in Freddie's class was hugging his older sister, and Freddie pointed out that she's overweight. <laughs> like that? Oh he's God. like, your sister's fat. Oh. In front of everybody. And it's just Whoa. like, oh, fuck me. Yeah. At you least in to... my head, it's in front of everybody. I don't know how it. I got a text from his teacher, though. He was like putting a chair in the front of the room and shit. Yeah, you can't go hard that hard. It's got to be more like a nudge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> All right, so we know who Combs is. Uh, we know that Nate Doctor had a... Gruber. So yeah, Jock. Doc, which can we point out that his name is Hans Gruber, Doctor yes, Hans Gruber? Yes. Yeah, and he's played by the actor Harry Grimbridge, who is in Halloween Three. Whoa, he is the guy on the bed that gets his face crushed when he oh. when he sticks his eye, hands in the eyeballs and crushes yeah. his face in the hospital at the very beginning. Whoa, yeah, so yeah. he's the guy they chased down the very beginning. Yes. Wow! Yeah, that's the same actor that plays. I didn't know. That. Do you notice he also slightly looks like uh, Grandpa Joe from Willy Wonka and the yeah. Chocolate Factory? Yeah. That's true. I like to think that he had at least a Budweiser with Tom Atkins. <laughs> at least like, one. You know, like after one of the like the one day he worked, probably Miller. Sure, whatever was around. It's Miller time. He just got hammered and talked about shit. So. <laughs> There's so much to talk about in this damn movie. We haven't even really started. I the know. Movie. <laughs> so, so okay. So the so they come into Hans Hans Gruber's office. Uh, he's a respected professor in Switzerland, and uh, basically they kick open the door and we're introduced to Herbert West, which is the Jeffrey Combs gentleman we just talked about, at great length. And um, and Gruber's on the ground, just like shaking around and looks Flopping like, like a fish. It looks like yeah. Herbert West is about to inject him with something or he already has It's like a, the first time you see the, the reagent. Yes. The glowing green liquid that and gives he, life. Yes. And he drops the syringe cause they're like, what's going on? And Gruber stands up and he's screaming and we get just fucking amazing effects out of the gate here. He's screaming and his eyes start like popping out of his head and his flesh is all blue and gnarly looking. And when they do something like this at the beginning of the movie, you know, you're in for a ride. Unless it's black roses. Um, you're pretty much <laughs> well in the knowledge that you're going to have a good fucking time. Yes. with This movie, because they're not going to do that. And then like, just not have amazing effects like that for the rest of the movie. And, no one uh, does that. Except black roses. <laughs> except for black roses. <laughs> but they, uh, so this happens and they basically, they tell him like, you killed him. And then yeah. Herbert West looks at the camera and says, no, I gave him life. <laughs> and yes. And we immediately get some slamming credits. But because you mentioned Black Roses, I'm going to jump into some effects things here. Because strangely enough, much like Black Roses, this was shot after the fact. As a reshoot, this wasn't the original opening sequence. They cut it at one point and they're like, we need that scene back in the movie. Really? So this was actually the last thing shot for the film. Oh, just okay. like Black Roses. And the effects huh. in this sequence are actually done by uh, the great John Buechler, um, who uh, did Terrorvision, From Beyond, Dolls, Demon Warp. Nice. Another mention. That's something that's still on disc. So uh, Arrow, Vinegar Syndrome, someone, if you're listening, put that on disc, please. Uh, Robot Jocks. Try to find George Kennedy. I believe he has the rights in uh. his suit jacket. <laughs> uh, he also worked on Mausoleum, which... I I love Mausoleum. That's one I would love for us to talk about. He was someday. the gardener in Mausoleum. <laughs> <laughs> His belly's out the whole movie, and there's that amazing montage of him just like eating a sandwich and mowing the lawn. Yeah, I love Mausoleum. They give a lot of time to that. It's so good. And oh man, that he reads man a book picnic. on gardening. I love it. <laughs> Mausoleum is like that's one of my favorite 
uh, like horror flicks or B movies. Yeah, that's great. Um, but he also did effects in Zone Troopers, Nightmare on Elm Street Part Four. He's the director of Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven, which is the film that notoriously had the most cuts to the effects of any of the films in the series. Oh. Um, and uh, he also directed Cellar Dweller and the original Troll. And he only got involved with this film because the initial crew that Gorn was using ran out of money. Oh, okay. And basically, band hooked them up. They're like, "Yo, like, he's like, I got, I got this guy. You know, you can use his studio and his his supplies." Yeah. Um, but Buchler himself didn't do effects on the film besides this opening scene. He just okay. supplied stuff, but he did the effects for the opening sequence. Cool. But, uh, just because you mentioned Black Rose, like, yeah. perfect segue. No, for sure. But uh. Yeah, so we got these sweet opening credits, uh, which are fucking great, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just cool images, like great music. Like, I, I looked up a lot. Of, I wrote down a bunch of movies. So, like, the soundtrack was done by Richard Band, which is Charles Band's brother. And here's just a, a quick little list of, like, movies he's composed. He hasn't performed all the recordings of these. He did with this movie. Mm-hmm. But ones that he composed, we've got... Laser Blast, mm. Dr. Heckle and Mr. Hype, <laughs> Lunch Wagon, which fucking rules, good sex comedy, Parasite, which Demi Moore's first movie, a compilation that Wizard Video put out called The Best of Sex and Violence, cool sci-fi flick, Time Walker, House on Sorority Row, which is a good kind of slasher in the same vein as like Hell Knight or something, Yeah, uh, Metal Storm, cool sci-fi, still within the, the cusp of Empire Pictures where it's cool, it's not as cheesy, <laughs> The Alchemist. Film Gore, which is another compilation of stuff, I believe, hosted by Elvira. Oh. That's a lot of fun. Um, In for that. Mutant, which is starring our buddy Wings. Wings Hauser. Yep. Yeah. Dungeon Master, Ghost Warrior. I'll stop commenting on everything. Ghoulies, That's Zone great. Troopers, Troll, Terrorvision, From Beyond, The Caller, Prison, Arena, Puppet Master 1, 2, and 3, The Resurrected, which is another... Um, so it sounds Lovecraft. like it sounds like basically every Charles Band yeah, production. Yeah, his yeah. brother got his the score. Is that my understanding? Got the job. Yeah, and then Keep he did the all the yeah. Pulse Pounder stuff, pretty much like all those kind of kitty ones. But oh, yeah, if you've got From Beyond, Terror Vision, and Reanimator under your belt, all this shit doesn't even matter. You're cool just because of that. Oh yeah, like those yeah, opening credits stuff. too. It is. I mean, it's worth knowing for talking about the music that um this score in this film is. A hundred percent. I'm. I know Richard said it was an homage to Psycho. Yeah, but I would say it's a ripoff. Yeah, it's, I mean it's that's it's. I mean it's okay. I love it and I love this movie and I love the score. I can't imagine it being anything else. Yeah, but like it's beyond homage. If you place the anyone, I would be like, oh, this is a remix of Psycho. Right. Like it's, it's it just different. sounds like the score with a different drum beat. It's like, like a, the ice you know. or vanilla ice arguing yeah. with Queen about like, yeah, my, theirs is dun, 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 dun. And mine is dun, 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 dun. Whatever, you know, <laughs> like, like what? Like, no, it's the, it's same, the same thing. Same song, bro. Ice or vanilla. What do you call him? But I think he did have positive intent. He wasn't trying to rough. It really was yeah. like, I love that score. We're going to put in this. And it's so good. It gives this film a different vibe than if it would have been just like an 80s synth thing. It wouldn't have had the same feeling. Like the the orchestral sounds of the score make this film seem, well, I mean, all the acting too. But like this movie is really special, I, th- I feel like, because it feels grounded in a world of film that these movies don't usually get like held in the same esteem as, you know? Sure. Like the acting so serious and the score is just like really dramatic, 
Like, it's not like... Yeah, even though there's ridiculous stuff going on, it's not funny, really. Yeah. It is, but it's not. It's not oh, the, yeah. It's not the Benny Hill theme. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would watch that cut of the movie, though, with the Benny Hill music. So I was reading a little bit, though, and saying that uh, a lot of people that reviewed this initially when it came out gave it poor reviews, specifically because of the, the score. <laughs> And uh, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Really? Right, I guess right, r- considering it's right at the front, you yeah. know, it might have might have turned them off a little bit. You know, like you're saying, he was doing it as an homage, but for yeah. some people, they were like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah, yeah. You know? uh, oddly enough, Roger Ebert, who usually is really hard on the genre, he gave this movie three stars, really? which is wild. Talking huh. about that, like he's like, he he saw it and was like, "Oh, this is awesome." It's because he likes younger chicks. We <laughs> <laughs> know that that's why. Because he's like, I'd do that. I already got my head cut off, you know, not to be a spoiler alert. Like, he cramps? Yeah. Ugh. I mean. Who doesn't love Barbara Crampton, though? Yeah. I mean, she's incredible. We're <laughs> we're still in the credits. Yeah. No, uh, we've got the, you know, he's in Switzerland. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll throw one more thing out about the about the credits, too, though. The credits are designed by um Bob Dawson, who is like one of the opening credit guys in Hollywood. Like, he's done so many movies you've seen that it's mind-boggling if you look at his his IMDb. But, like, yeah. he's, like, he became the go-to guy. Like, hey, you need cool opening credits for your movie? He's got you. Dawson's right. got you. But he did he did a bunch of the early Tim Burton stuff. He did, like, the opening credits for Cliffhanger. Um, but, I mean, like... I could see just, that with the Tim just Burton Just a ton stuff, of floating stuff. words, yeah, letters. Yeah, like, that's, and... that, like, is his world, yeah. which is weird. Stuff like that, like... I often don't even think about that when I'm watching movies, that there's someone who just designed the credits. Yeah. It makes sense. Right. But, like, these credits are really cool. I do when it's, like, a claymation sequence, like, yes. what the fuck, like, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Or that's animated, that one. Yeah. Credit. City Slickers. Troop Beverly yeah, yeah. Hills. <laughs> Better Off Dead. Isn't there one for that? Or am I th- I'm thinking of One Crazy Summer. One Crazy, that other John Cusack yeah. vehicle. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good movie. It's got Bobcat Goldthwait in it. I wish yeah. I could do a good impression of his bizarre voice. I almost watched Hot to Trot the other night. Oh, dude. It doesn't hold up, really, but it's so amazing that that movie exists. Right. Like, the movies <laughs> that don't get made. And someone said, you know what? Horse lawyer guy. <laughs> yeah. Businessman. <laughs> and they're like, yes. People want to see we this. Get, yeah, totally. Who can we get that will compliment the horse? Bobcat Goldthwait from the Police Academy movies, which at that time. He has a voice only... of gold. You're a genius. <laughs> yeah. Give that kid a job. I mean, I love him, and I love Shakes the Clown, and like all his movies that he directs are cool too. He made that movie. Um, he directed that movie, World's Greatest Dad, Robin Williams. That movie's yeah. fucking awesome. It's yeah. really good. Yeah. It's really good. And he directed that. I was I I didn't realize that until like the end credits. I saw him missed in the opening credits, and I was like, wait, Bobcat Goldthwait. I was in yeah. the video warehouse once when I heard whoever was behind the counter telling a story about an old lady that had come in and rented that movie mm-hmm. oh my and she returned it like half rewound or whatever right or it would have been a dvd that i don't remember but she brought it back before she finished it and was ranting and raving like, this isn't the robin williams that i know this is not funny yeah. oh ma'am then we have another movie for you. it's called one hour photo yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, he brings it down a little but he still wants to like fucking hide her in the house at this this family's house he wants to abuse these guys just like sit in their chair and like rub your socks on yourself while you look at pictures and shit. Fucking weirdos. Oh man. <laughs> I love that movie though. It's One good. hour photo. It's good. It is really good. I like movies that make me feel uncomfortable. 
There's that. that did either you guys see the other one he did right around the same time? It was pretty dark too. Final Cut is what it was called. No, I saw yes. that in one of the boxes you got, but I didn't grab. I don't 100 remember the premise. It's I don't either, but I remember where, it was. I remember it being. I really want to say it's almost like a Minority Report kind of thing, where like somehow they can see the future or they can alternate things. It's something about like they can like change their life. I can't remember what way. It's not like Minority Report, but like the same idea where like they can see so the maybe future he gets or they can like interact a glimpse. With. Like Matrix style, so, something. Like that's like why the name like was the Matrix. That's why the name yeah. was Final Cut. Because like he, fuck, look at the world with memory recording implants. Alan okay. Harkman is a cutter, someone with the power of final edit over people's recorded histories. His latest assignment is one that puts him in danger. Ah, okay. So I now so- I want to go back to your garage and dig that out because it's in the drama box. I'll find it. Okay, <laughs> sweet. Even just a bar. <laughs> Well, okay, so we made the credits. Let's go for it. We've already Cut. talked about Robin Williams. <laughs> Rest in peace, dude. Robin Williams fucking rules. I yeah, love that guy. He's a funny dude. Um, that's that's the celebrity death that really fucking hit me hard. Of any, any celebrity I've heard that's passed away, like that's the one that like fucking hit me. You know, I just because he's like you know such a funny, cheery dude. It's one of those things like, I mean, I know you can't just tell someone's depressed, but it's one of those things like something like that brought so much joy to so many people. Yeah. When you found like they're hurting that much inside, it's like it's weird how fucking common hard. The, com- the comedian being super depressed in real life is like a thing. It's almost like they use up their happiness for others well, and then I, they don't save anything for themselves. I feel like part of it, though, too, comes from a point of they're so sad inside. It's like they want other people to not feel that way. Like, I think that's sure. part of the motivation. Like, I don't want anyone to feel as bad as I feel. So I just want to make people fucking laugh or smile. You know, like they're playing. Yeah. It, if that makes sense. Sure. I mean, like, I don't do know. what you can. To... I know. Like, if I'm feeling down, I'm not like, I just want to make my friend sad, too. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, you know, like <laughs> as I've gotten older, I've become a lot more like I if I feel like my actions are inflicting somebody else's attitude mm-hmm. or mood, not attitude. But I mean, if I if I can tell that i'm like putting out a negative vibe yeah i change my vibe yeah <laughs> like if i'm talking about something that someone's blatantly <laughs> not interested in i try to change gears and figure out something else to talk about like i'm not going to just like talk to somebody about my he-man figures if they don't give a shit you know don't act like you don't ever talk about he-man to emily <laughs> i don't anymore <laughs> All right. Reanimator. So, so cut to Miskatonic University, which is not in Switzerland. It's here in the U.S. Dan Kane, played by Bruce Abbott, who you know from Bad Dreams, Bribery Amir, Interzone, um, an uncredited role from Last Starfighter, and I haven't seen anything else he was in. Uh, so Dan, uh, he's a medical student who just can't accept that he's just lost a woman. He just keeps fucking giving her the paddles over and over and over. <clears throat> and uh, the doctor there is basically like, she's she's gone, man. Give it up. And the doctor that says that is actually Stuart Corn's wife. Fun fact. Really? Well, Dan, by the way, was married to Linda Hamilton. Dan was? Yeah. Huh. After Jimmy Cameron? From 82 to 89. Oh, before Jimmy got in that ass. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Look out, Linda. I came back through time for you, Sarah. Yeah. Can um, we, like, reenact the Terminator again? <laughs> there's Come two on. Terminator references to in this movie. I'll bring up the other one later. Nice. Oh, I know. I know where you're going with the other one. The lady's dead. The doctor tells Dan he needs to take the body to the morgue. So he takes the body to the morgue. Um, and when he gets in there, uh, that's when we see Dr. Hill, Dr. Yeah. Carl Hill, who's uh, it's his his uh, revolutionary laser drill. 
is yeah. what he's using. Yeah. But they talk about a bunch of the Later. Yeah. The laser drill. He's so he's doing some of the laser drill. It looks like he's giving like a corpse a lobotomy, but the corpse is already I mean, you know. The laser drill looks like a soldering iron that's been on too long and then it's comically red. <laughs> yes. Like so it's not a laser at all. <laughs> but it's what they thought a laser looked like in nineteen eighty five. And then he, he like performs a fucking COVID test on that dude's brain. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's like one. That's another good little. There's small yeah. Gorshite sticks the Q-tip in mm-hmm. there. It's like it's a dipstick. Like he's checking the oil on the brain. Yeah. Like just, okay. Yeah. Which by yeah, the way, yep, there's blood in there. When yeah. he's doing chest compressions on that fucking topless woman, like at the yeah. very beginning, do you yeah. notice how calm everybody is? This dude's like sweating his ass mm-hmm. off and like doing these crazy chest compressions, and everybody just has their arms crossed. Like, yeah. What is this fucking guy doing? Well, yeah, well, it's, <laughs> right. yeah, because they're like showing, trying to save her life. Let's well, go showing that they all know she's gone. It's like, dude, yeah. this fucking overambitious medical student like just doesn't know when to say when. Like, <laughs> right. this is part of the job, dude. You're, people are gonna die. Like, they're they're all professionals, and he's like, oh. well, I mean, like, how quickly he ends up going for old Herbert's like plan. He's not a hundred percent like the strongest willed person I've ever yeah, encountered, right. but he's young. You know, and he is ambitious. He's definitely like he, he's kind of he's doing it right. He's dating the dean's daughter. He's got his scholarship. Mm-hmm. Everything's going good for Dan. Well, I feel until like- <laughs> Herbert West walks into the room and is introduced to them, and he just snubs Dan. Oh. Like oh, the yeah. no handshake snub, and then just talks mad trash on Hill. Well, I guess right in front of everybody. Well, I guess right, like, then we should uh we should jump into. <laughs> Isn't that where we are? Yo, yeah, we should jump into like who's playing Carl Hill then. I'm I saying, feel like we also need to acknowledge Mace, the security guard. Oh, oh Jay dude. Mace, yeah. first security guard. <laughs> he ever. leaves his post to beat his meat later in the movie. It's yeah. amazing. <laughs> He's yes. like, well, now you're. I'm just gonna fucking just beat this. I've been looking at this boudoir all day. You watch these bodies. I'm gonna jerk this shit. <laughs> no, he says. Uh, it's like, hey, Dan, what do you uh, got in there? It's like one meatball, <laughs> like crushed by a semi. Meatball, meatball. So, Doctor Carl Hill is played by David Gale, um, who I feel like could have been the next Vincent Price, but he wasn't really in a ton of stuff. Like, he's a hundred percent amazing in this movie. He's amazing in The Brain, um, where he also plays a doctor. Yep, he's in the first Power. Oh yeah, Lou Diamond Phillips. Yeah, yeah. you just got me that LD. Yep. He's underutilized in Bravery Amir, in my opinion. That's like my yeah. least favorite part of Bravery Amir is like, why aren't you fucking using Hill? He more? showed up. Like he's there. <laughs> yeah. and it's like, come on. Like he's so good. Like every scene he's in, I'm like, more of this, please. Right. Um, Rumor but, is that once we get to Head Gives Head, his wife and him divorced after that because of that scene. Oh, no yeah. shit. Yeah. I knew she walked oh, out. Oh, she's like, she saw him like licking her nipple yeah. and stuff. I, like, I know you she. You can't say you didn't do yeah. it. That's yeah. your it's face. It's right there. <laughs> I know she left the original screening. Mm-hmm. She got up and like just fucking left when they were seeing it for the first time. Oh, you're just sitting there in the theater next to your peers. I've always um, thought that you are beautiful. <laughs> I've always loved you. Yeah. Um, oh, so creepy. But no, he's so fucking good, though, right? Yep. Like, do you know what I mean? He could have been like the, the next Vincent Price. Yeah. Like, Dude, he, I love that his wife left him for that. <laughs> yeah. He was also in a really weird episode of Tales from the Dark Side. Um, it, are, like, you guys get like deep in Tales from the Dark Side at all? I've only watched a handful. I always just thought it was like a poor man's Tales from the Crypt. Dude, or even like less than that. That is, that's something you should just buy the the complete DVD series on like Amazon or deep discount for like twenty bucks. Just get it; it's yeah. awesome. But he's in this weird episode of Tales from Dark Side that has Divine in it, and it's like Ooh. the only time I've seen Divine just playing like straight up, just like a dude. 
Like they're wearing like a suit and like a tie and stuff. I just watched right. one the other day where Divine is a cop, like a, a male cop, and uh, like does this like. Ugh. I'm trying to think of one it where it catches you on guard. Were, like, kind of. You're like, because you're like, who is that? Then you're like, it's Divine. Oh, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's got a clown in it that's killing people, and it's fucking awesome. Killer clowns. RCA title. <laughs> it. Fucking. The, the Dark Knight. For, forced entry dude Shakes the clown. posted it. I was like, oh shit, I have that movie. God damn it, I've watched it twice. Patch Adams. Give me that movie. Uh, I've got nothing. But yeah, so he's in that. He's in, that, um, he's in The Guyver with my boy Luke Skywalker. Um, but I think part of why he wasn't in more horror flicks is like, Reanimator, you know, really got bigger, I think, in the late 80s, like with the VHS and like yeah. rental. And it was he, definitely how I saw it was like, Oh, yeah. it's that, you know, someone had the tape. And I think by the time that really blew up, I mean, like, he died in 1991 of complications and a surgery. Oh, okay. Um, so, like, I, I think, like, he just never really had the chance to become bigger. But, like, he's so good. There's few people in the genre, and that's, like, part of why I love this like I mentioned earlier, with all the acting. Like, there's few actors in the horror genre today that are really, like, that have that, like, thespian quality that old classic horror movies have. Like, that's... Yeah. I'll watch like thirties horror movies. I'll watch like hammer movies from the fifties and stuff. And they're good because the actors just really sell it. You know, it, like there weren't great effects in some of those movies. They're so old, but it's yeah. like you buy it because the acting is so fucking Invasion good. Invasion of the body snatchers is a good example of just like, a, totally it's got Kevin fucking McCarthy in it, you know, yeah. like real actors. Was it trouble in mind? No. <laughs> the, that's the a divine. good one though I know that one it's around that period I'm thinking 88 any 88 credits 89 Mm-mm. 87 it just goes hairspray out of the dark out of the dark that's it Okay. out of the dark out of the dark really divine plays how the fuck did I overlook that there's a gigantic clown right on the cover <laughs> I would recommend we do it's, that movie I mean, you guys would love that movie okay it's cool throw it on the roster Sometime. I could even just bring it over as like an after movie movie, and then if we like it, we can do it. I like after movie. Well, if we if we don't like frighteningly erotic thriller, it's got Karen Black in it. Karen Black's always great. Yeah, and she runs like a phone sex thing, just kind of a corral of phone sex. I could. This is a. It's definitely a movie I could see like Vinegar Syndrome releasing. Yeah, because it's it's like a thriller. Jeffrey Lewis is in it. All right. So, so yeah. So that's Carl Hill. And in the scene, the gentleman that introduces Dan to Herbert West is Dean Halsey. Dean Halsey is played by Robert Sampson, who was also in uh, Stuart Gordon's Robot Jocks. And he did lots of TV shows besides that. Like, he has 150 credits and pretty much all of its TV. So, right. And they know. all p- pale in comparison to Robot Jocks. And as far as Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, the Dean uh, introduces Dan to Herbert West. Um, he doesn't he, even look at Dan. Yeah, he he's like, and he I love he's in like his like little like Beatles suit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he's like, or, or like he looks like he should be like an, an like a like a mod like oh, kind of totally. group or something. Yeah, he's um, one of the specials. Yeah, <laughs> he's like the eighth special. <laughs> that first special's record is fucking awesome. Oh yeah, selector. He's the missing madness. special. The first madness record's great. I mean, even like. Our house is kind of good, except we've heard it this too much. One step beyond is yeah. uh, young ones, baby. <laughs> uh, and so there, yeah, he's introducing Herbert West, and then uh, of course Doctor Hill finishes doing his little laser mind, laser mind, which he's apparently just fuck? doing in front of his all laser the drill. His, his COVID it's like test. A, a lobot- it's, it ends up being a lobotomy to that, a corpse. <laughs> yeah, that somehow 
grants the doer mind control powers. It's a very <laughs> Lovecraftian twist. Oh, yeah. It's strange. So uh, the Dean introduces Herbert to Dan and Dr. Hill, and uh, immediately Herbert just fucking insults Dr. Hill. Calls because, him a fraud. Calls him a fraud because he he apparently, he, a lot of his research is a, is basically plagiarism of Gruber. Yeah. Who's like Herbert's, who's the gentleman we saw in Switzerland that died in the beginning, who's like Herbert's, you know. So um, they were probably over there in Switzerland trying the reagent out, but they were working together. Yeah. yeah I envision the two of them going to med school together. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Sure. And they, they work on the project and then, uh, you know, Wes just ended up being the one with the reagent in his hand. Right. <laughs> They never like explain in, how Gruber dies. But which I love. It's like in Twister when Carrie Elwes steals Dorothy from Bill Paxton. It's just like Twister. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This movie is actually a ton like Twister. Yeah. So if you like Twister, check and this Bill out. Bill Paxton related <laughs> ephemera. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so he basically like goes off on Hill about like how he, he's known over there. How to how his work's a joke in Switzerland yeah. because everyone considers it plagiarism of Gruber's, right? And uh, it obviously gets under fucking Hill's skin immediately. Later, he says something like, "Oh, you know, you should He's like I'll see you in class." You haven't you don't have any more ideas to steal? At least then you'd have ideas. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so after the scene, uh, Dan's putting a little card on a bulletin board on campus, saying he needs a roommate. And this is when his girlfriend Meg surprises him with a smooch. Uh, and Meg is, of course, played by the great, the lovely, the incredible, legendary Barbara Crampton, another ooh, ooh. frequent Gordon collaborator. Speaking of clowns, did you know her father was a carny? Can you say uh, carny also? Yeah. I think you can say that. There's nothing else to call them. Okay. <laughs> Scumbag would be the other <laughs> yeah. option. Derp Carney's ball. nicer. <laughs> Ring tosser. Apologies to all of our carny listeners. A dark. Uh, what? I don't know. Fucking like dark game watcher. But, um, I mean, <laughs> what's... <laughs> What? Dark game watch. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go down the like this Snow list of fucking maker. Crampton movies, man. We got Chopping Mall, From Beyond, Puppet Master, Castle Freak. Um, more recently, you're next. Uh, mentioned the second episode by Nate, Fraternity Vacation. Yeah. Um, and she's on 260 episodes of The Bold and the Beautiful, 140 episodes of the Young and the Restless. Oh no shit. And uh, that's a. That's, I don't know how I didn't know that. Oh, that's like what she why she wasn't filmed for so long. Dude, she yeah. was nominated for an outstanding villainous award for daytime drama uh, series on a soap yeah. opera. Hmm. Uh, and most recently, like she has come out right now is this movie Jacob's Wife that's getting a lot of hype. Um, for, it's like a vampire movie with her. It's a sequel to Jacob's Ladder. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, she's the lead. It's this new movie. It's getting like tons huh. of good press. Jacob's Wife. So. I just ordered Beyond the Gates. Have either of you seen that? It has her in it. She's the lead in that as well. I've not seen it one. I think I don't think so. It, it, it was on Shutter at one point. And I missed it. I think. Okay. So I just ordered it. Um, I mean, she's always great. Um, I mean, she again talking about acting in this movie. Like, she's great. Yeah. I mean, she really is. Like, she sells the emotion, and the horror of this movie, like more than any of their characters. And like, you care about like her well being and stuff. Because some people are like, oh, oh she's just, oh, yeah, you see her boobs. Like, it's not, it's not yeah. that. It's not just that she's like a babe. I mean, she really is an incredible actor. And she's actor. not helpless. Yeah. She's also not incredibly like streetwise, but it's not yeah. like embarrassing. She's real. Yeah. I mean, like, real. she's mm -hmm. real. Um, I like the way that we're introduced to her with the no, no, yes, yes cut. Oh, yes. 
Uh, not oh, to be creepy. It is. A, yeah. uh, I'll note too that she's another one of the characters that was just created for this film. She isn't a part of the original story at all. That's definitely gotta have there, a love interest for a movie. There's not. If you read Lovecraft, there's not a lot of ladies in his stories. Really? But he um, was a man's man. That's right. And he hated he was the Jews. <laughs> he was actually a real bad dude. Yeah. He, he wrote a lot of great horror. That's sure. maybe that's worth acknowledging on here. Like, if you're into horror, H.P. Lovecraft definitely created a lot of cool stuff that a lot of people have adapted and put into their work. And legendary horror writer influenced King and Barker and all these great writers. Um, but he was doing this back in the 20s, and he's a and he was a racist and kind of a piece of shit. So, I mean, yeah. I don't think there's any shame in saying that. You can acknowledge he's a piece of shit. Yeah, it's great that you can enjoy a movie like this, Ranamir, without reading all of his literature and having to take part in some of that crap. So sure, um, you know, called out if they're a piece of shit, called out. I was reading but, that he didn't even like this series. He didn't. He didn't. He like I he was only that. doing it for like five dollars. Uh, you know, five dollars like per one that he wrote, which I guess was a lot of money in nineteen twenty one or twenty two. Right. Like like your, your rent for the month. Yeah, uh, Hogan. So take us take us that transition you were just mentioning. Oh, the no no yes so like, yes because yeah she comes up and she's giving like him a smooch. Oh yeah, they're kissing in start, the elevator. Yeah. And she's like no no stop. And then we cut immediately to what's Dan's his name? Crib. Dan. Yeah, Dan's on Great. top, and she's changed her tune to yes yes. And yeah, they're they're, they're, they're getting sex freaky under a talking head. Stop making sense. Post. Yep. <laughs> I just cool. watched that the other day. That's a great film. Yeah. Best cons from ever directed by a Academy Award winning director. That's for sure. Dude, I just watched that movie, The New Kids, the other day. I, I now have it on like three formats. It's fucking mm-hmm. awesome. And I do love it. Sean Cunningham, Friday the 13th director, mm-hmm. as you guys know. But the like the goon dude that's like always got his taste sticking out. He's like, one scene he's got a Black Sabbath shirt on, and in another scene he's got a Clash shirt on. It's like, that dude's not listening to that shit. And if he is, especially why is that, he such a dick? Like, get him a shirt and make sure it's black. black. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. In, that, in that podunk town, how's this guy getting these Did records? Did he actually see that tour? Sick. <laughs> Did you watch that yet, Hogan? I know when I was at no, uh, it's when I was the video bunker, I was like, oh, new kids, you need to watch this. Yeah, no, it's it's there's a hundred things on the watch shelf right now, and I haven't gotten to make it. Hey, can you just watch all the hundred movies faster? Sorry. Fuck. Stop uh, buying movies to watch. Meg and Dan are getting freaky at uh, his place, and they wrap up, and that's when we learn that she's the dean's daughter, Dean yep. Halsey, that uh, introduced you know Herbert West to them in the in the previous scene in the morgue. The 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 re getting dressed and backing out of the bedroom to the front door uh, is uncomfortably long. She's like, stop it. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, she has to get going pretty quick after they wrap up the uh, the dirty deed yeah. because Daddy's Dean's not living because yeah because her dad is. <laughs> The last living Puritan. So, yeah. um, as she goes, knows that she's there for some reason because they're, they're studying. supposed to be studying. That's right. <laughs> yeah, studying something. So, as she goes to leave, they open the front door and Herbert West is staying there, um, interested in becoming Dan's roommate. Because, again, the previous scene, he was putting a note card on the Baltimore Kneed's roommate yeah. at 666 Darkmore. That's the address. Oh, I didn't notice um, that. But does it have a basement? Yeah, and that's like, they, I, like they give Herbert the tour of the crib, but he's most interested in seeing the basement. Yeah, for yep. sure. That's how you know you're about to live with a serial. And girl. Meg <laughs> immediately has a weird feeling about it, as she should. Um, she's really trying to give him the signal that yeah. Dan, like, we're not gonna be fucking if that dude's living yeah. here, which but, she does make yes. good on later. And then, but Herbert flashes a huge wad of cash, and Dan's like, "Good enough for me." Yeah, yeah. sorry, um, Barb. So we cut to Dr. Hill's class, and uh, he's showing the class how to remove a scalp, and he says it's like peeling a large orange. 
And uh, he starts talking about how long the brain can last after death, which he says for only six to 12 minutes. Dude, he did so much precision work, though. And then when he pulls the brain out, it's literally just like a smushed up bowl of jello. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This dude sucks at his job. (laughs) Turn that brain into jello. And Wes snaps his pencil in half. I almost brought, I wanted to tell you guys this, I almost brought new pencils over so we could be snapping them the entire time, but I totally left them on the kitchen table. Oh, you bought them? Yeah. Yeah, They exist. Mr. West! I suggest you get yourself a pen. <laughs> and then Herbert gets up and he berates him in front of the rest of the class. And he says, how can you teach these people such drivel? Yeah. Like yeah. It's going to be a pleasure failing you, Mr. West. <laughs> um, I know. It's you so know, good. my eighth grade English teacher wrote that in my uh, in my yearbook. That is going to be a pleasure to fail you? He essentially, he well, he actually he wrote, may your, best, may your high school experience be the best six years of your life. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Shots Brutal. fired. Yeah. Then we cut to Fuck you, Mr. Moore. Dinner at Halsey's. <laughs> yep. Is that, I'm so just we making cut, sure I'm in the right place. Oh, yeah. So we cut the dinner at the Halsey house. Dean Halsey, his daughter Meg, and Dr. Hill are having a toast to the largest grant coming in due to the breakthrough of Hill's laser drill. Yeah. Um, Meg doesn't want to drink, though, as she has a study date, wink, with right. Dan. And Dr. Hill's not pumped about this, and he tries to get Meg to stay. And then he gives a, cre- and then Dan arrives, and Dr. Hill proceeds to give a creepy toast to Meg, and he calls her capable, beautiful, loving daughter, the obsession of all who fall under her spell. Yeah. And I mean, as this dude is Randy throughout the entire well, movie. And as Hogan yeah. already mentioned, he's a pretty fucking weird looking guy. Um, I mean, again, he could have been a pretty successful horror actor. He's yeah, just a spooky sure. looking cat. Um, and he's tall. Yeah, I mean, it's he's like it's, a foot or a foot and a half taller. Than he's like Christopher Jeffrey. Lee. If Christopher Lee didn't look like he's semi-attractive, yeah, like yeah. just the spooky parts of Christopher Lee's yeah, face, yeah, yeah. all over the place. Right. He's like know? a like a blind person's like uh, like clay statue that they made. <laughs> like where he looked good, <laughs> like and then like someone kind of is that what a face looks like? <laughs> yeah. uh, is this what? Did I nail it? <laughs> he looks like Christopher Lee, but then someone like smashed it a little bit in a weird way. Yeah. It was Dean Halsey? Yeah, yeah. And there he is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Full circle, but yeah. So that's the that's the first hint you get. That there's just this weird, creepy thing Hill has for the dean's daughter, which is very strange and inappropriate. Why don't you study here? <laughs> yeah, he's like, why don't you study here? I'll call her back in time. Yeah. Uh, so then we cut back to Dan's crib, and they're studying. Meg is super tense. She's on edge about West. Uh, she mentions how she hasn't seen Dan's cat Rufus. She's uh, also concerned about how Howard isn't eating. Yeah, she's like, he's always in his room. Oh, Herbert. does he eat? Yeah. Said Howard. <laughs> Dan's like, I don't know. Like, he does have a mini fridge. Yeah, <laughs> which we see very soon because the two start looking for the kitty, and Meg goes into West's room and finds Rufus' corpse in the fridge alongside a mysterious bottle of glowing green liquid, and uh, then West comes in just then, which I love. But he goes. I thought I was running a private room, Dan. Yeah. I was like, he's like, he's going yeah. to talk about the dead cat in the yeah. fridge. He's, I thought I was running a private room, Dan. Well, he hadn't, Dan hadn't seen it yet. Oh, yeah. It was then, like, she saw it. She screamed. He killed They kind of came in at the same time. So I don't know where Herbert West was. He must have been in the basement. But, uh, yeah. But then he, he has this whole excuse, you know, like, you know, because she's saying, he killed the cat, he killed the cat. And Herbert's like, oh, I found it outside. His head was stuck in a jar and trash can. <laughs> Like, I didn't want to disturb you and have it sitting yeah. up the place. It's also, there's so reagent the in there. Why isn't Dan like, what's that green glowing fucking liquid in <laughs> oh, your he, mini fridge? He does. He does say that. And then he he's does? like, he, yeah, because he goes, it's yeah. none of my business. Just like 
it's not really uh, my business that you were yeah. sleeping with That's the dean's right. daughter. Yeah. So he basically tries to blackmail Dan right then. And he's like, ooh. I like yeah. uh, I like his little quip though. He goes, "You could have left a note." He's oh, like, "What was I supposed to say?" Cat dead. Details later. <laughs> yeah, details. That's one of the lines in the movie for sure. That's like like uh, Nate mentioned earlier. There's too many good lines in this, and that's one of them for sure. Um, we're talking about Demon Knight though, and all the uh, all the glow sticks that they use. This is actually the very first time that glow sticks have ever been used on camera. Yeah. Huh. And talking about how that shit's not good for you, which I think we talked about that in Demon Knight too. Yeah. Like, cause it is like, it's very toxic. It yeah. like it, the gases from it can be really bad for you. Um, it fucking so, glows. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they have that much of this movie. It's like, they just fucking cracked a bajillion of them open to fill up just jars and jars yeah. of it. Like, whoa. I love that, man. That's awesome. And it only has a life of so long too, before it goes out. Then you gotta crack open another pile of them. Mm. So uh, we cut to the night and Dan is awoken by an otherworldly scream. <laughs> Which would be very alarming. Uh, he descends into the basement, and by descends, I mean he fucking falls down there like a fucking like a Mr. Bean sketch yeah. or something. Uh, like he it, had to have known when he was breaking that fucking door down that as soon as he got through, he was falling down the steps. Oh yeah, they didn't just appear. Though. Yeah, well, there's no platform here. Hmm. Uh, and he discovers West battling an undead Rufus in the basement, and it's a great sequence. Um, He's going bonkers, that cat. <laughs> this is, this is like, Rufus's second coming. But it's it's done in that way where it's like it's obviously just like someone's throwing a cat at him, and then oh, they're yeah. like pretending it's got strength and. Oh yeah, this. It. I mean, it's it's, it's awesome. like it's just like a fucking stuffed animal that's like stapled the <laughs> Jeffrey Combs shirt, yeah. and he's like, oh, yeah. it's like fucking Ben Stiller fighting the dog and something about Mary. Yeah, like, yeah. Yep. Oh, yep. it's on his dick, and he's spinning <laughs> around, you know. <laughs> oh, man, man, you gotta see this. <laughs> How do you get the beans about the Franks? <laughs> Keep doing it. Uh, oh, man. Calling him an idiot. Like, what? So good. Like, he did it on purpose. <laughs> he, it, was, it wasn't like a thought out plan. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the, til, the two kill Rufus again. Uh, and then Wes gives Dan the lowdown. In a great he, way, it's where the cat splats on the wall. There's like brain matter on the wall. rolls down. Goop. Well, we just watched, in Demon Knight, it did that, right? There was like a goop thing. Did it? I love the transfer of fluids, like yeah. plop. <laughs> I wrote plop. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, but yeah, so then Wes sells him on like what he tells him all about what he's doing. He's created a reagent, first time they call it that, to bring the dead back to life. Do you agree that he's dead now? Yeah, because Dan's like, Dan basically is like, no, like, like you just like, staged like that. You staged it. He, he wasn't dead yet. His vows were lower or something. You faked it. Um, yeah, you roofied him. Yeah, this is such yeah. what he says. Uh, so yeah, Wes did the whole thing. Like, well, do you agree that he's dead now? And he picks it up and it's like fucking Rigormore City. It's stiff as a brick, you know. Yeah. So then he gets the engine, brings it back to life, and this is another great line. Don't expect it to tango. It has a broken back. Yeah. And just starts coming back, and he says, "Birth is always painful." He, oh yeah, because Dan's like, "Why is he making that noise?" It's like, yeah. "Why do you look at it? Yeah. <laughs> like you can see its spine and stuff." Um, but so basically, Wes tells him that he needs Dan to help him out. Yeah. Um, because he's conquered he's, brain death. Yeah. Oh, he he's, keeps he's doing like, "You will after that. You see this, you will help me." He's like, "No, I won't." He's like, "Yes, you will." Because <laughs> well, it's like maybe if I say it enough, he'll listen. Yeah. Well, he's gotten to a point in his research where. It's Worse hard for him to proceed. Yeah. He needs fresh corpses, which is why he needs Dan. Yeah. So it's basically the only reason he's rooming with him is because he knows that Dan has access to the morgue because that's right. where he met him. It's just 
like the only thing between him and all those bodies in the morgue is just like some dude that's got like a fifty percent chance he's jerking off in the bathroom, <laughs> and then the other fifty percent of the time he just like smoking cigars, say something funny, and he's like, "Oh hell yeah, <laughs> I let you in anyway." Oh man, fucking meatball. So, <laughs> uh, so while this is happening and the cast come back to life and is writhing around in pain, Meg shows up and she's like, "Oh my." God, yeah, yeah which, where the fuck did she come from? Yeah. Oh man, so good. And she had seen the cat dead in a refrigerator, so seeing it move would be quite shocking. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so then we cut to the campus, and Dan is telling the dean about West Breakthrough. Right. And the dean is unamused, and then Dan tries to sell him up by telling him that his daughter saw it. Like not, not only I saw it, but also your daughter. And that just takes the Dean's fucking to the next level. There's like steam shooting out of his ears and shit. Yeah. Um, and he's like, what exactly are you doing with my daughter? Yeah. You know? Huh. But then he Uh-oh. fucking expels. Oh, yeah. No, he says, what are you? Uh, the note I wrote here says, what exactly are you doing with my daughter? You've involved Megan with your insanity? I mean, it would suck to be the Dean because like everybody that's in your life wants to fuck your daughter. Especially like if it's the, Barbara Crampton. I mean, only guys he knows that we know that he knows is Hill and Dan, <laughs> yeah. and they are either bo- fucking or wanting to fuck his daughter. It's like, can't you just be a friend? Which, by the way, that uh, the the exterior shots that they use for that are uh, Cyberdyne systems from Terminator Two. Oh, sick connect. That's another Terminator thing. Was that the reference you were? That doing? was my second one. Do you have another one? Oh yeah, baby. I'm gonna drop that on you in a little bit. You're gonna be hyped. All right. Oh, th- I didn't know that one. I'm hyped about that. <laughs> yeah. I got one that you're gonna be equally hyped on. Oh, baby. And we're getting pretty close. So he ends up expelling Dan and Herbert for this. Well, no, first thing he, he, says only expo- is he, he only expels Herbert. He doesn't expel he, Dan. He's What he says to Dan yeah, is I mean, that it's basically he's going to tells withdraw me so- his loan. Right. Which I don't know how he has any power over what the bank is loaning Dan. He doesn't. He's a fucking liar. Yeah. <laughs> well... He's he's in, there's an implication that he's gonna make life very hard for Dan and her. right that he's not gonna get to go to the school anymore. So then we cut to Dan wheeling a body to the morgue again, okay? And security guard Jay Mace is like, "Hey, you got my lunch under there?" And he goes, "One meatball ran over by a semi." To which Jay Mace goes, "Ooh!" <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, you got this? I'm gonna take a break." And he's like, "Yeah, sure." So he takes off. <laughs> um. Oh, I may know some stuff Mace was in for this because I I didn't know if you guys would. And I love this guy. He is great. He is in Vacation, the National Lampoon's Vacation. Okay. Yeah. He's in Death Warrant, and he's in Blank Man, and he's in The Howling Part Six, The Freaks. Oh shit! So you know, just all kinds of stuff. Put it there. <laughs> so we get so we get inside the morgue. Jay Mace is on break, and we discover it's West who's under the blanket. Which I love that moment when he gets out of the blanket. He goes. Meatball? Meatball. The way he says that is so funny. Like, it's absurd that he called him a meatball. And it's great because he has bare feet, much like me. And he's wearing a toe tag. Mm -hmm. So I like he, like, immediately just takes the toe tag off and puts, like, his socks back on. Like, he's done it before. Yeah, like, ain't no thing. I was reading about this a little bit, and the director didn't want him to fucking put his shoes on. He wanted him to be barefoot. He's like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. (laughs) Yeah. So he practiced for hours, like, in order to be able to put his his shoes and socks on within a matter of 30 seconds. Otherwise, the director wouldn't let him do it. Oh, wow. I love that he does it. That's what makes that moment so good to me, Mm -hmm. is that it's like, ah, now I can get this off. Like, it just seems... It's perfect. Yeah. Um, so uh, he puts his shoes back on. The two start looking for a nice, fresh, undamaged corpse to attempt to reanimate. And something I like here, which I, I wonder I if he know. still puts his shoes on that fast. 
which anyway, no. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, or but when they're looking at the various corpses, and he says what each one is, yeah, you see each one Later. at the end. Yeah, which I didn't. I love that. I never really put that burn together. victim. Yeah, shotgun to the face. Every corpse he describes, you get to see in the third act, which right. I think is really cool. Yeah. I just um, realized what you're. Okay, yeah, because this is a big one. Yeah. Uh, so, meanwhile, the dean is on site looking for Dan because he's somehow received word that Dan's in the building, and uh, and this is why part of why I thought he was expelled too because he's like that's the whole reason the dean's there is because Dan's there, and he's like I told them that he not to be allowed on these premises, right? right. Which if he's if he's like, still gonna be in school, why there? you know? So um, so he's there and he's pissed, and Meg's there trying to talk her father out of expelling Dan. Uh, so they so basically we cut back down to the morgue. And they end up reanimating Arnold Schwarzenegger's stunt double. Yes. Yeah. That guy is Arnold's stunt double in Terminator, Terminator 2, a bunch of Terminator flicks. He is Arnold's double. Nice. Which, if you know that and watch it, you're like, oh, I can see it. Yeah. You can like also he- hear it because when they reanimate <laughs> him, he's just like, <laughs> oh, man. He's got it down. He's in character, even though that's not the character. That's, such a, that's such a fucking sweet. Terminator, Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's so good. Yeah. He's in character when he's not in character. Oh, and that stunt double's <laughs> yeah. name is Peter Kent. So shout out to Peter Kent. You've done a lot of great stunt work for all of us Arnold people. Yo, what up, Peter? Sounds like a superhero's name, which makes sense because it would be an alternate identity, and he kind of is Arnold Schwarzenegger's alternate identity. Oh, my God! <laughs> <laughs> so, so the corpse is feral and starts fighting with them and ends up brutally killing the dean as soon as he arrives at the morgue. He, yeah. The dean shows up and he's like, he does he, like the, huh? this huge steel door gets cr- just lands on him and he jumps on him and like stomps on it a couple. It's times. like a fucking panini press. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel bad because he's just like, are you in there? It's just like even if that didn't kill him, his life's ruined at that point. Yeah. He's not dead because he's still reacting a bit, oh. but. He's not going to make it much longer. And he no, especially after he gets his dean. fucking fingers bitten off. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Of, yeah. And this is like when the effects start going. You're like, this movie is like really going for it. And he's biting yeah. off the fingers, um, blood spraying everywhere. And the Dean looks fucked up after that. Like, I mean, like it looks like his teeth are knocked out and stuff. Like sure. he's super, you know, just haggard. They um, start adding the purple around his eyes and stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which they use a lot of that. And uh, Arnold's. Body double just keeps fucking slamming the dean against the wall <laughs> repeatedly. I mean, yeah. just his fucks him up. Crushed. Um, all the arms, his arm bones are broken. So, uh, to kill the the uh, reanimated Schwarzenegger corpse, um, Wes gets a saw and just ah, right through his yeah. chest. Which that's a cool effect. It's kind of a funny like excuse me moment too, where like he oh pulls yeah. the saw up and he's like out of my way, or I can't even remember what he says, but it. Has Dan moved out of the way and shows it, Jeffrey Combs coming at dude? The it's awesome too because like I like that when all this stuff's happening, that Herbert West always seems so calm about it. It's it's something kind of funny, but it's also like he's very serious, like you said. There was just so much chaos going on, and in my head I was like, "Where the fuck is Mace?" But then I realized he's still baiting in the bathroom. Yeah, right. He's on break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When he comes out, he gets that's like the. Ne- uh, no, the head splats later. Yeah, when he st- yeah. somehow he still has a job yeah. at the end of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, uh, all this uh, is happening under his, the only thing he has to do for work is to keep people yeah. from going in and fucking around with the corpses. Yeah, it's one door, and it's all that's happening. This door right here. <laughs> don't let anybody hey, in. It. In all fairness, though, <laughs> yeah, 
he knows Dan. Yeah, he they likes have rapport. Dan a lot. Dan always brings bodies to the morgue, so it makes sense he let and Dan meatballs. in. Yeah, it does. You know, it makes sense he let the dean in. It does. I mean, I, it's I'm, still, I'm, I'm side with Mace. I think you guys are shaming Mace. On paper, it looks really bad. First of all, he I'm didn't let the dean in. He was in the fucking bathroom. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, so, so basically, uh, after they killed the Arnold corpse. The dean's dead too, and unable to pass up the chance to reanimate of such a fresh corpse, Wes ends up reanimating the dean. Dosage lessened in accordance to the freshness of the subject. Unbreakable plastic, definitely one of man's more durable inventions. Yes, <laughs> more durable than him anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and like Dan's just like in shock, like what the fuck's going on here? I loved how impressed he was with the fucking plastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It takes a lot to impress Herbert West, you know. And the Dean's reanimated after only 17 seconds. And he just immediately goes back to like strangling Dan and Herbert, like, you knuckleheads. Well, first, <laughs> it's, it's like right before, or no, his eyes pop open and Herbert. Uh, like, 17 seconds. 17 seconds of reanimation. Yeah. He's like, I gave, or you gave me a chance to go to your school. Welcome back to life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, Meg shows up right, right. And as- under his breath, Herbert calls her a bitch. He's like, he just says, oh, bitch. And <laughs> yeah. It was in clear earshot of Dan, too. He didn't say anything about it. Dan's just out, like, he's Dan's losing a, it. Dan's a in a whirlwind. So shit's happening right Some now. Some madness might be sinking in. It's hard. I, I did wrote, right, I wrote. Uh, Dan is, in my opinion, all in at this point. From here on out, it's not really, like, Herbert's fault anymore. Because he's just doing the things. He, he at this point, like, he, if there was a point for him to turn against Herbert or Go to the cops. This would be this it. Is yeah, it. this is definitely it. Yeah, you know, and he doesn't. Burp. Sorry about that. Burp. Uh, and then so Meg shows up, and the dean <laughs> runs and hides in the corner. Then our boy Mace shows back up, and he's like, "What the hell's going on here?" And Herbert immediately just spins a story. And again, Dan could have said something, but Herbert yeah. spins a story like the dean came in and he was crazy and he was attacking us and he did this to his corpse and he took this saw and he shoved you know? it through that dude's back. <laughs> and Mace is like, Can "Oh you believe shit!" It? He's like, "I'm calling the cops." <laughs> So he calls the cops, and you know Meg's there, and she's like, "No, no, the, he could have. He was just mad." All he asks is, "Dan, you all right?" It's the only person he cares about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everyone else is just like, "Oh, that's the dean. He's fucked up." But Dan's Which, all like, right. by this time, the dean has Who's become this new like spooky guy. He's almost <laughs> childlike. He's sitting in the corner. Yeah, you're back on your nutter butter shit, huh? I am. I love nutter butter. But he, which he does. <laughs> The next scene, they cut over into the dean. The dean is in the, yeah, the asylum chamber well, that's just off of the office. The dean's, yeah, he's in a pad room that's connected to Dr. Hill's office. Yeah, mm-hmm. like he Which, has one of those. Dude, it doesn't make any sense. I, every time I ever watch him, I'm like, why? Why is he like, you know, I am a scientist. I'm teaching my students. And just in case something goes horribly wrong in class, I need a padded room right off my office. With a two-way mirror. It was a so non-negotiable, dude. All the time. It was part of his contract where he would not accept the job. Dude, yeah. Dr. Hill is just chubbed out so much, he needs a fucking padded room. <laughs> just to go beat it? Yeah. That was where he wanted to put Megan. <laughs> I can only get off in a padded room. Yeah. For him. Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> or maybe he is do- like the part of his thing is he's doing experiments, maybe not like too far away from like a Peter Vankman type thing where you just like you put someone in there. Yeah. And then you see if they look like if their excitement levels are charged by a puppy or whatever. Now take the puppy away. <laughs> Dude, <in> Ghostbusters <laughs> 2. Yeah. Let's see what happens after we take with away the puppy. Yeah. That seems so good. <laughs> My God, you're not sleeping with it, are you? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, <coughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so Meg's there, and basically uh, Dr. Hill's, you know, he, he has Meg sign some form so he can operate on her father. 
Um, then Dan goes to tell Meg about what happened. It's a real tense moment. She slaps him a few times, calls him insane. We get great acting from Barbara. Um, she's great. Uh, and then we cut to the basement. And Herbert's doing some research when suddenly Dr. Hill surprises him. Hill's figured out the Dean is dead and knows it's West doing. And he says, I want your discovery. Um, and what I think is really awesome here is up until this point in the film, Herbert West is really the villain of the movie up until this point. Yeah. Because he's the, the one who's that ramming. Are dying are because of his yeah, actions. He's ramming corpse units and that. And like, so you're looking at him as the villain because, you know, Dan's kind of the hero. You know, we're supposed to be for Dan and Meg and Herbert's the villain, right? I would still say he's the villain for sure, though. Well, yes. But I mean, but I mean, this point is when it's suddenly like, well, now Dr. Hill's the villain. But before that, he talks to Meg. Dr. Hill does. And he says to Meg. Oh, because he says he wants to operate on the dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then after she's like, he's asked if like she'll sign off on it. Um, he says, I'd like you to think of me as someone you can come to with your problems. <laughs> or if you are ever lonely. I know. I got a padded room right here. Now. Yeah. <laughs> and at that point, the dad who's in the padded cell starts slamming against the thing. It's almost like even he being completely fucking brain dead can still get that Hill's a creep. And then so you start to realize that like, he's going to be a full-on creep, and then he goes to the basement yes. and starts talking to Wes yes. about how he's going to like blackmail him. I, I just like that move. I like that you go from like being like Wes is the bad guy to now like Hill you know, is trying to take Wes shit, and then you're kind of like, Oh shit! Like it's two mad scientists, you know, and one just happens to need to plagiarize stuff. So he's like, "This is a good opportunity." And yeah, and which so, I think gives some credence to the possibility that he did, in fact, still plagiarize stuff. stuff from Gruber. Yeah. this whole part. He, so he lays out how he's going to have West locked up. West hands Hill his notebook, uh, and then Hill's like, "Well, give me a demonstration of my new my new reagent." You know, so West puts him on a uh, the dead cat cells, and he slowly backs away. As Hill's looking at it, and he grabs the shovel. I was hoping it was going to be that croquet mallet that he had earlier in the basement. But yeah, oh right? yeah, <laughs> but this like we is have still the croquet mallet. We might as well. Yeah, this is such a sweet use. kill, though. It is. Uh, just fucking hits him over the head with the shovel, and then he cuts Hill's head off the shovel. And uh, oh, but no, I'm sorry. I cut out right before he says, right before he does that, the right before he whacks him when Hill's like, oh. Be famous. famous. The way he says it's so funny. I wrote down. I wrote down. It's funny. Famous last words. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And when he's on the ground, uh, clobbering time. Something I actually never noticed uh, until this viewing. I never noticed that West, like when he's like cutting his head off, like putting his weight down the shoulder, to, like mm -hmm. separate the head. I was like, just kind of, yeah. I never noticed until uh, watching it this week that he goes plagiarist when he. Oh, he does. Oh, really? I also never noticed that. That's pretty good. Uh, he cuts the head off, and then he immediately has an idea. This is a good opportunity for another experiment. Parts. I've never done whole parts. Puts the head in the tray, like the box used to say. He has a good head and shoulders, and yeah, one. He on his stands desk. it up on a meat yeah. thermometer. <laughs> yeah. Boom. But he doesn't. In, does he? He does inject into the body too, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah he, does he both. puts it. Yeah. He puts some into uh, Doctor Hill's head, and he also shoots some right into the heart of the corpse. And Hill's head comes back to life. The heart of the corpse. Yes. 
Face a band around the idea of doing the vocals that way. You bastard. I definitely wrote bastard with a lot of extra A's and R's. Oh, man. Then the headless corpse knocks Herbert out. Um, the headless villain is actually a concept from the uh, old stories. Um, in the, f- it's been a while since I read them. I want to say it's the f- it's the fourth or fifth story that introduce um, this character. It's it's like a sergeant or a major or something uh, in war. Because like the opening scene of Briar when they're like at war and they're like just you know experimenting the corpses you know as yeah. medics. That's taken. That's like a whole entry of the serialized stories. And there's a character that they befriend who gets his head cut off, like in like a plane crash. Okay. And Herbert reanimates him like the way Doctor Hill is. So Doctor Hill himself isn't really in like a like a character in the story, but he's definitely based off that part of the serial. Yeah. Stuff like that's right. really cool in the script. I'm gonna mention that out for fun trivia for the listeners. <laughs> I'm gonna be. Oh, go pee in. I'm gonna pee. I'll be in here. I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> what is that? What is that? I don't know. It says lots of other things, too. Where did you get it? I am tired. It is good to see you. <laughs> what have you been doing? Hello? Oh, that's really funny. I need to go to the bathroom. (laughs) So that has to be something that going forward, we need to just have this out. And if anyone needs to go to the bathroom or something, we need to use this. Like that needs to be that. I didn't imagine it being an old timey thing. In fact, yeah, I got it at the bins. I was like, man, I really hope this thing fucking works. Hold on. So uh, we go back to Hill's office in the pad room and Megan Dan discover that Hill's given her father a lobotomy with the new laser drill that is gain that big grant for the college. And Dan also finds a weird folder on Meg, which includes clippings of achievements of hers, used napkins, photos, and hair. a lock of hair. Creepy as fuck. So yeah. I haven't seen this in a while and I got confused. I was like, Oh yeah, he's going to, he's going to use these clippings and this hair to like pull all the bad juju out of her dad's like, brain you know to like maybe bring him back to the real world sure <laughs> <laughs> nope he's just a fucking creep um which i mean that is super creepy shit where'd you get yeah. the hair I, exactly it's like this is so creepy it's a substantial amount of hair it could be that like one her of the main dad times had at the it Dean's from house. her first haircut or something and he just stole stole the, it out of the house yeah like he might know where that is they seem to be fast friends we just got insight into Nate's life that he has hair from his kids for his haircuts at his house. I don't know that we do. Emily oh. is keeping Freddie's teeth, though. Do we, we have teeth? I have all of my teeth still. Really? Yeah, we yeah, definitely dude. have teeth. Oh, okay. I don't know where, but I know it's in one of those boxes. Bigley's shriveled up umbilical cord is in a, a, a black film canister somewhere in our house. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's 20 <laughs> years old. Yeah, it's just waiting to <laughs> yep. be unearthed. Next time Hogan gets real faded, he's going to be like, oh, cool, beef jerky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Finally aged. Wes wakes up and discovers all of his work has been stolen by Hill. Dan arrives at this exact moment, and uh, Wes tells him what has happened. And I think he's like, wait, he's dead? Well, not anymore. Yeah. 
Is that where he says that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a classic line. Then we go back to Hill's office, and Hill's corpse is carrying his head around in a dish, and they get a bunch of blood out of a fridge, which uh, he he has a bunch of blood in a fridge in his office. For some reason, yeah. Um, They spray it in the tray, and I love it. He's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. You Mm. would say he takes a blood bath. Yeah. (laughs) Drinks it in a little bit, maybe. It's so good, man. And this performance, uh, again, from Hill is just so fucking good, man. I love when the the bag unzips, and he's like, he's... That's better. <laughs> it's like what you're. What are you breathing into? Oh, I know. Well, it's also like, how's he talking? Yeah, I what's mean, pushing the sound. Uh, out? If we want to like no, poke yeah, holes yeah, in yeah, this yeah. fucking movie, he shouldn't be able to talk. Yeah, it makes it less fun. No, That's he's true. like he becomes fish like. You're actually fuck has, this movie. He has gills <laughs> no, now. No frights. <laughs> he can. Right. He I can breathe in blood. Yeah, bathe in your blood. Oh man. Uh, let's see what happens then. Be oh yeah. Be worried. He speaks to the reanimated lobotomized Dean uh, that's in their side of the glass and basically enlists him to be his undead henchman. Uh, and then this is great. They go to see Mace. And this is when Mace is looking at Boudoir magazine. This yeah. is great. So uh, but I love that this is like a Muppets kind of gag mm-hmm. that like it's the doctor's, you know, headless body wearing like, you know, scrubs and shit. And like and earlier they showed this head. The, on yeah. His the desk. plastic heads of his desk. And he has a plastic head on top of the corpse wearing a mask. And I like he just walks in and, and Mace is like, oh, hey, is that you, doctor? And he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, because the head's in the bag. It's so funny. He doesn't even look up. I just made the note. God damn, Mace loves his porn. (laughs) Well, and after everything that's already happened, he's not on more alert. He's actually more relaxed, (laughs) if anything. The doctor goes in, then he goes, he smiles like, break time. Yeah. (laughs) Gets up, Ned's off to jerk it. For however long. Uh, yeah, I think this is when we see what uh, Nate was mentioning when he like unzips the bowling ball bags. Oh, yeah, that's so good. Gets him back in his blood bath. Squirts <laughs> a couple more packs in there. And um, let's see what else going here. Dan goes to Meg's to make sure she's doing okay. And, and this she's is kind of like, what the fuck are you doing here? Basically, yeah. like, but they knows. still love each other. Yeah. It's okay. It's gonna I be tried okay. to hate you. <laughs> That, this is the scene when you're like, I can see why she made oh, it in show. soaps, you yep. know? Uh, <laughs> that was the, this is the first scene I thought of when you told me that, for sure. And then uh, her zombie dad shows up, and he knocks Dan out, and he kidnaps Meg. Um, and then zombie Dean right, takes Meg they... to the morgue. And this is where we get, you know, this is where Hill lives out his sick perversions. And this is probably the most horrific scene in the film. Yeah. This is the I've always head admired your beauty, my dear. Oh man, it's I mean, absolutely this is the the scene that like cause a lot of the movies like it's serious and but it's kind of fun. This is the scene where it's like I'm watching a horror movie now. This is the kind you of know? scene that gets your wife to leave you, apparently. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're in the film. Yeah, doing um, it. You're but, the one doing the thing that everyone's repulsed by. Well, yeah, so it's like you didn't think to run this by them at all. Yeah. So the zo- I mean, you imagine your father's a zombie, drags you here. Puts you on a table, ties you up, strips your clothes off of you, right? You you wake up, you know, there's a fucking severed head of your dad's friend that's always hitting on you. She's fully knowing of the, the thing because they found the hair and yeah, stuff. So it's he knows so she knows. Fucking weird. Um so then the de- uh Dr. Hill's body picks up the head 
and navigates the severed zombie head around her body, kissing her in various spots. Specifically, her left nipple gets a lot of oh, time. a lot of attention. Yeah, and he goes yeah. downtown. It's it's pretty disturbing. Um, and the fact that the whole time her dad's just standing there watching too also adds a really uh, just the, just a fucking layer of so fucking horror. Creepy. Just fucking weird, you know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, th- this is when the screen, Gail's wife got up and walked out of the screen. I didn't know she got a divorce. Is the, it, it, like, factually, she did divorce yeah, him? Yeah, she did divorce him. Wow. You should have mentioned the nipple licking, Huzzy. I guess, I mean, <laughs> I, I, mean, I could see if he didn't tell th- her beforehand. I think it was more like towards the end when her legs were spread and, you know, <sighs> that was probably. Yeah. It's pretty obvious that it was his actual head in there. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, it's, dude, it's so nightmarish that scene. And when she's like screaming, no, like push away, he's like, yes, what are my passion? Yeah, it's like yeah. so, like, this is so It goes on for weird. longer than a lot of these types of movies would take this. It's very intense. Um, and ends exactly where it should, I think. Oh, it yeah. does. It does. It stops like right when you're like, you're about to be like, this is going, this is going too far. Right. right. When like, you... even someone who loves watching horror flicks and stuff, I mean, this is the point where it's like, okay, it's about to go too far. And then. Right then, West and Dan show up just in the nick of time. And um, if we're talking about uh, favorite lines of the movie, this is my favorite line of the movie uh, from West here. I love, he says, because I love in this moment of horror, everything that's happening, the sight that they walk in on. I love that West goes, I'm very disappointed in you. You steal the secret of life and death, and here you are, trysting with a bubble-headed co-ed. You aren't even a second-rate scientist. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's like it's such a good line, but in context to everything that's happening. Yeah. Again, Wes is just like, he just still needs to talk shit. Yeah. And it's just so funny. Um, uh, I told Jill that was my favorite line, and she's like, but it's sexist because... Because Meg's not bubble headed. I was like, I know she's not, but West Herbert West West doesn't her. like her. He doesn't yeah. like it's not her saying that time. she is. It's that character. No, it's how he perceives you know. her. Yeah. Um. But then he'll you know unleashes the army of undead Ramay corpses, uh, which he explains is because uh he tells West that the laser drill allows a method of lobotomy that makes it easy to control the undead. Um. And this whole sequence of all the zombies, the cinematographer said it was a real challenge to uh, keep the full frontal nudity out of the frames. Like, sure. it, like it was the he says the hardest thing to shoot in the whole film because you, they, you have to have this sequence. Yeah. But if you have all these dicks and stuff flopping around, like you, you, you know, right. that'd no, be funny. But, which there is the movie unrated anyway. So I, yeah. but, but still, like I'm glad you mentioned that uh, he was pointing out what they, what they had all had like what injuries they had sustained. Because at some point I was like, man, is everybody in this morgue just completely fucked up? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, yeah. Everybody was in a it's such tragic a f- motorcycle accident <laughs> or like something. Pulling his guts out of his mouth or yeah. something. It's awesome. Uh, and so during this, like, because this is like, this is the finale now, right? So we have all the zombies that are fighting. Um, Meg is able to talk some sense to her zombie dad. And then he basically starts fighting the zombies on, like, you know, their behalf. Yeah. Um, and he gets hit, and he's just Fucking but crushing she's the only, head. He, he's the only reason that she's there. Yeah. Anyway. And he's crushing uh, the Hill's head. And this is the exact moment that Jay Mace shows up. Yep. <laughs> he shows up 
right as Hill, like, as he fucking throws Hill's head at the wall against the wall. And it does the and same he, glop plot. And he just drops his porno mag and heads for the hills. <laughs> yeah. Any sane person would. I would do that. Yeah. If I walk anywhere ever and I see a bunch of zombies. I'm no hero. With their dongs flopping around and they're throwing heads, severed heads at the wall. I'm fucking out, dude. I don't know, man. He seemed pretty casual about it the first time. <laughs> yeah. How are they going to prove I wasn't there? Yeah. <laughs> um, and Herbert uh, presents his idea that he has, his new theory. Overdose! And he injects, uh, you know, a body full of that stuff. Oh, he injects in the Hill's body, which then just all of its organs come to life, and it has massive intestines that strangle Hill. Yeah, I mean, it's like strangle Lovecraftian West. and tentacle terror. Oh, absolutely. Lovecraft loves tentacles, dude, from the deep ones, from Cthulhu. Yeah. Um. But Love West just gets tangled up in those intestines. And Meg and Dan make a run for the L Bear. And this is where he sees. That's the last we see of West. Of West Wait, in this he movie. throws his bag. He's like, My notes! And he throws yeah. them, you know. And then Dan picks up the note bag. The little bag. And uh, I like this. This is probably one of my favorite effects that they did just because I thought it was really clever with her dad, like trying to give them time to escape. The entire thing is like, all, like the horde is attacking him, right? And yeah, it's, and it's backlit, so all you can see is the silhouettes of the dad and and the horde like attacking him. Oh yeah, and then them like it, ripping him to shreds, like his appendages coming off and yeah. shit. So it's you, pretty effective. Yeah, you saw nothing, but you yeah. saw everything at the same time. It's I thought things, it was like, awesome. Yeah, I like effects like that. That when you're watching it, you're like, oh, if I made a movie, I could have done that one. Yeah, like we could do that effect. Right. Yeah. You know, and it, like and when they work, it's awesome. So uh, Megan Dan are running for the elevator, and in the chaos. Um, this is where you actually see two of the zombies that were mentioned earlier. You see the shotgun blast victims, the one that Dan's fine with on the floor because yep. like its face is all torn open. And they get in the elevator and you see the burn victim, which comes and starts strangling Meg. Uh, and it, I mean, strangles the fuck out of Meg. And uh, then the elevator gets to the top floor. Dan's carrying Meg into, uh, you know, an emergency room. And we see it's the same doctors from the opening scene yeah. when we're introduced. Yeah. Same bitch. They're just hanging yeah. That's out like, right there. hey, she's dead. Stuart yeah. Gordon's wife. Give up. Who's also the doctor um, from From Beyond that uh, from, from Combs Beyond? Combs sucks her eyeball from, from. out. Sure. It's the same one. Um, but so it's just like the opening scene. And now he's trying to save Meg. And basically it's like Meg's gone. And they all the doctors, <laughs> all the doctors leave to give him a moment with his, you know, dead fiance, and uh, this. I am tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are. They were tired because they actually stay up till four a.m. shooting all this stuff. I they, bet they said it was like super haggard because they were like we we have to be done now. We have no more time to shoot, and they yeah. just, just shot all through the night. Um, and this is like a really great ending because like this is where you truly see Dan is just. 100% broke from reality you know like you see the exact moment he like it's truly goes to complete madness like pet cemetery it's kind of like that same vibe of the, yeah when he's like i'm gonna oh, do yeah. this to my wife now because yeah it went so well with my child <laughs> yeah. but you see and, and you, the cat you see it because like it's like bruce abbott you know um he's playing it and you see such sadness in him and then all of a sudden it's like this in, this insanity in his eyes, and I love it. He gets the reagent out, and uh, the cut's so cool, too, that you don't see what happens. Like, like stylistically, it's really neat. Yeah. So it kind of goes back to the animated vibe of the opening credits, you know? Like, he has a syringe up, cut the black, and you see animation of, you know, it deplete or whatever. That's, yeah. a, that's a weird noise. <laughs> um, 
It's like slurping on an orange Julius mm, or something. Yeah, delicious. <laughs> mm. Orange it's juice. Weird, like you know, like the some of the opening credits to uh, Rocky Horror too. Like when when all you see is the syringe. I love that. When that's it. Yeah, yeah. it's cool. Very similar then, to that. then you get that fucking amazing Barbara Crampton scream, and you like, see the Wah! the juice. Go. Yeah, but that's it. That's Reanimator. Uh, frights. Let's just fucking go for it. Five. Five frights. Five. 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 There is our first five fright. Woo! I don't know where the fucking... Hall of Fame. All aboard! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Susan. Oh, man. That's our it's, intern, Susan. It's that good. It is great. It's it, 100%. Like, this is... um. When Jill and I were watching it the other day, I, I commented to her. I said, you know what? This is one of those movies that if I had to strip my collection down to 25 horror movies, no questions to be in 25. Yeah. Top sure. 10, probably. Honestly. I mean, it's it's just so fucking good. So It'd be hard to think of a movie that gets so much done in 80 minutes and doesn't like fuck it up at any point. Like, There's no wasted yeah. time. It's, it's great. It just moves and moves and it's fun. Hogan's comment for you love movies that move like lightning, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, this does. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, most horror movies are 90 <laughs> minutes, right? This is 86 minutes, and it feels like it's like 40. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we just, we talked a bunch just now, even, and it's still, I was excited just talking about it. No, this like, thing goes real, real fast. It's great. It's, it's, it's perfect, man. There's few horror movies that are this perfect, you know? So if is you're it listening streaming to streaming anywhere, I didn't look that up. Uh, it is currently on Shudder. Um, but, you know, who knows? I think you almost like, you know, immediately too, you're in for a good ride. Like as soon as he breaks that fourth wall and he says, I gave him life. You're like, oh, yeah. All right. yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. This, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, you presumably like horror movies. Um, or you and, just like and, our voices. Or you just like our voices like Robeson. What up, Robeson? <laughs> um, but this is one of those movies. If you are listening to this and you've not seen this movie, even if you don't like horror movies, you need to see this. Because, again, this would be in. My top 25, the top 10 horror movies of all time. It is so good. You have to see this movie. Yeah. So make it a priority. It's great. Um, if you're not watching this movie right now and you have not seen this movie, stop whatever you're doing and see and this see movie. this movie. <laughs> Put down your copy of Boudoir Magazine. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of the bathroom. Fire up the old TV. Drop the tape in. Oh, Magic. Man. Wow. Or sign up for a free trial and watch some of the fucking Joe Bob's last drive. Joe Bob did do this on uh, his 24 hour, the first last drive in marathon. So you could watch it with his commentary and he's a delightful character. So I didn't watch the last drive in on Friday. Was, uh, did they mention this at all out of curiosity? He, I didn't want to because I figured you guys were watching it. So he showed bride of reanimator. Okay. Um, which was great. And Combs was there. So that's really cool. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I, had to, I had to print video bunker shirts so I didn't get to watch it, which are in my car. Perfect. And I will uh, get those to you after. They he would have awesome. loved to watch Last Drive-In, but some asshole made him print shirts <laughs> yeah. instead. <laughs> Laying it on. So uh, you can now get video bunker shirts from Hogan's Video Bunker. Are you going to have them on your Instagram or your TikTok or both or Instagram something? Instagram and TikTok, yeah. Get yourself a video bunker shirt. And also get yourself a Fright Zone shirt. All right. Okay. Um, oh, fun fact. Do you guys right. know that this is uh, reportedly David Bowie's favorite movie? Really? really? Jinx. So, yeah. The cinematographer. Doorknob. What? 
That's supposed to be when you fart. Oh, can't talk until you touch a girl's butt. Is always. Shit. I think I've said this. You before. said that on the last. Yeah. <laughs> because it's like one of those things, like the Bernstein or Bernstein bears that I thought all kids thought of it a certain way. So hearing the thing touch a girl's butt to you was because, just like the Mandela effect. Yeah. When I was eight years old, you could just yeah. No one ever actually did it. You don't just run up to some stranger and touch their butt. Because there were some effects I did at the end here, I made other effects notes. So I mentioned the Butchler guy that did the the opening scene. Oh, John Carl? Um, Yep, John Carl Butchler. Um, And you mentioned Kyle Peel up front. Uh, The other notes I have here is John Nolan, who did From Beyond and Critters. Um, Anthony Dublin, who did From Beyond and The Blob, which The Blob blob is up there with the thing for me as far as best practical effects films of the 80s. Um, we should do that sometime. Absolutely. We, our boy K Dill's in yeah. there. Um, and Everett Burrell, who did, he had like the most prolific list of effects I saw. He did Lost Boys, Phantasm 2, Bill and Ted, Savini's remake of Nightwing Dead. So there's, this movie has so much effects. It's like almost everyone that worked on it went on to do amazing things. Yeah. Which you can see, it's still very, very effective. 35 gallons of blood. That's a oh, lot. Yeah. That's a lot. Those yeah. floors were sticky like the theater Pee Wee Herman got busted in. Yeah. <laughs> or, so, the, or the floor uh, right in front of Dr. Hill's uh, shrine uh, to Barbara. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, favorite line in the movie? I mean, I, I know there's so many. Mine would probably be uh, the, I have a plan, so do I. Which is sort of like a dual... <laughs> One because like two people, but I just that like moment. that part. Oh, yeah, where you're just like, it's about, and then it's just going down. That's when the movie really escalates. I'm a cat dead details later. <laughs> yeah. I had that that one I read a second ago the Tristine with a bubble headed co ed. I just love it. I love the arrogance of it there. It's just so good. Yeah, the secrets of life and death. And here you are, Tristine with a bubble headed co ed. <laughs> you aren't even a second rate scientist. Which the next line is the one where he's like, who's going to believe a talking head? Get a job in a sideshow. Yeah, get Which, a that's job that's a great a one, show. too. Yeah, we didn't say that earlier. Um, I mean, there's too many good ones. But Five Frights. I, a favorite kill. Um, I didn't really know what to say for favorite kill for this movie. Because there's actually very... There aren't a lot of kills. There's a lot of gore. Is it a kill if they're already dead? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess you had to say favorite kill probably when he runs that saw through Arnie's stunt double. Or body double. That's pretty great. I'm just going to say when the severed head hits the wall and he bolts. <laughs> that's like just my favorite Jay death Mace. involved moment. It's also cool because it's a reprise of the cat splat. Like it feels like that oh, yeah. scene happens twice and it's just showing that. Full yeah. circle, man. Yeah, totally, dude. Oh, Woo. without so, that, uh, you were saying that that scene at the beginning was extra. Uh, yeah. Without that, if you think about it, the film would have opened and ended the, in the exact same way. And yeah, yeah with Dan, yeah. which would have been really cool too. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important because it lets the audience kind of know that, the, like, w- when Herbert shows up, then you already know, like, oh, there's something oh, dangerous about this guy. Insane. It sets him up in a better way. Yeah. Also, seeing something with Gruber makes the stuff with Hill talking about Gruber work better for me too. Right. Like, it's definitely the right call. They they shot it for sure. Uh, we're starting something new on Fright Zone now going forward, maybe where we uh, just call out some cool different uh, physical releases of this because we know a lot of people listen to this and like horror, like physical media. Um, we're all fans of physical media. Uh, so just mention some copies we have. Nate, what you got there? 
Uh, in my hand here, I have the Vestron Video Betamax release of the unrated version. There are two versions that they released on both VHS and Betamax. There's one that has a blue box or aqua looking kind of box. Mm. It's almost like an aqua. Beautiful. Teal. Beautiful. And <laughs> that is the unrated version, which it says right above the format. Um, if it's the black box, which you would kind of think the black box would be the darker one but it's uh, that is the rated version i don't know what it's missing but i'm guessing a couple of the random crampton Co- boot shots <laughs> yeah, a couple of cramptons and maybe a splat or two but uh yeah the, one of the first times i ever saw this was on laser disc as well there's a really nice, nice early gatefold laser disc of it that's uncut but yeah vestron video did the original release and then i'm assuming the next release would be the dvd yeah, I got so I the uh, Anchor Bay put on DVD a couple different versions. I have the second Anchor Bay DVD release, which was from two thousand seven. Um, oh, there's no bonus features on the Betamax. Oh man, this thing is loaded. I love. I I'm a big fan of Anchor Bay. I think the stuff they're doing on VHS, the tell them the you know VHS and you know the birth of DVD. It's just awesome. I mean, they were yeah. they were like the top dogs for so long. It's weird that they're gone now. I don't. They're gone. I don't always watch bonus features, but I would watch that on this movie. Like, they're great. It's the, like a Monster Squad or something. Yeah, I'll the commentary that. on that's really fun. The uh, cool. I mean this this too. This Jeffrey has Combs a, there. That would be great. Is him he? and Barbara? Oh wow! The commentary on this has Bruce, Jeff, Barbara, and mm-hmm. Robert Sampson. And there's a separate commentary that's just Gordon. That's just Barbara Crampton's bodyguard. <laughs> right? I'm like, yeah. Wait, is one of those Mace? Is Mace in there? <laughs> that's, that's who it is. <laughs> He's actually the only one who recorded commentary. Yeah. I wasn't on set for this or this. Yeah. Not, not that either. In fact, I was only here for one day's work. Um, I think I was jerking off while this scene was shot. Oh, man. <laughs> But uh, if you're trying to buy this currently, the probably the best release would be the uh, Arrow Blu-ray. Yeah, this is actually um, belongs to my buddy Nick, and it's got a comic book collection of um, who put out the comics? Image? I didn't or, know there were Reamer comics, to um, be completely honest, which makes me feel embarrassed because I'm such a comic Adventure guy. Comics. They were $2.95 um, US, three fifty Canada. So that's what, like late 90s, early 2000s price wise? Yeah. Because that's how you can tell uh, if it's a really old comic book, if it says a nickel or whatever on it, <laughs> <laughs> then, it then it's like, oh, is that Archie how? Comics. This is Rammer Comics from the 50s? <laughs> Man. This predates the film. What? But there's a cool collection that has a double disc fold out deal with uh, all the lobby cards. I'm sure that transfer looks great. And it Arrow, does. Arrow always kills it. There was a couple parts where I felt like the background was wiggling, but I don't know. That could have been been my brain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the sound was wiggling. But it was like I was looking at the people, and they were fine. (laughs) But the background was wiggling. (laughs) We're not going to blame Arrow for that. Uh, Hey, guys, I I got something for you guys. This is going to be really fun. You You guys ever seen Oprah before? Like... Not since it no. like the woman, well, Winfrey. So Oprah, so Oprah was a lady who had a talk show. Okay, no, but you don't. Know, she do this for a guest. Check out underneath your seats. Oh fuck, really? For real? Did you just fucking Oprah us? <laughs> I just Oprah the shit out of you guys. I got you guys. Oh, I got you guys some sweet gifts. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. 
I like your I like yours better. Yeah, I think I like. <laughs> you know, sometimes the, when the paint application when they're in the box on... and their heads <laughs> a little crooked, and you're like, oh man, I wish I could twist that head a little bit. <laughs> My yours is at a, is a better position on the head. Yeah. I think. Isn't that fucking awesome? <laughs> That's hilarious. Super Seven did those on April Fool's Day, and I was like, those are so cool. So I was like, I'm gonna get those for you, dudes. But uh, they weren't. Um, there's nothing else under your seat, no, Hogan. I'm looking for the. My <laughs> You're looking for more you, gifts. You greedy son of a bitch. <laughs> Get you um, one thing. No, uh, they they weren't here when we recorded the last episode since we recorded it like right after April first. But yeah, I was like, oh, I'm gonna order these because it's fucking hilarious. It's brilliant. So, yeah. thanks for the Invisible Man. Yeah. Uh, oh will, yeah, the, yes, next the thing I gave them, Oprah, that I opened them with is an Invisible Man toy. We'll put a picture on our Instagram or something. You can check it out. It's, it's pretty full, comical. It's fully posable. Yeah. It is. It's the probably the best Invisible Man toy that's ever been made. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a true achievement. Bar none. <laughs> I love the card art. Yeah. Because if, if you've seen the other figures in this line for this <laughs> monster, it's there. like it's like a nice painting of yeah. of like the classic monster there. They're so it's. Dead. <laughs> so awesome. Did you think they originally released it as a joke and then people started actually wanting them? Or do you think they already had planned to make Oh, it was them? definitely an April Fool's Day thing. I, I thought that if I went to actually add the cart, it wasn't going to actually go. Right. But then it actually added my cart. I was like, oh, well, fuck yeah, I'm buying three of these. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, sold. That's awesome. So. Were they the same price as a regular one? They were a little less. I was going to say, that would have been hilarious. If they're if like, $20! $17.99. Like they were actually no. more expensive. <laughs> no. They they weren't. I can't remember how much. It was. I don't, I'm not asking the price. I mean, I ordered three of them, and it didn't break the bank at all, so. I see you got your boggling over there. That's sick. Oh, yeah, dude. Dude, yeah. they're dropping all the Halloween ones now. The glow-in-the-dark ones and shit. Yeah. It's going to break my bank. This is so going to irritate the shit out of me. It's right behind your ass. There it is. You looking God, for this? My ass is always in the way. Santa? Um. <laughs> oh man! I'm gonna do the Karate Kid theme real quick. Bill Conti. <laughs> Have you guys been watching that at all? I haven't. I want to, but I, I also haven't watched the Karate Kid movies since yeah. I was probably like single digit in age. I don't like know that you digits. need to. <sighs> Maybe the first one. That's it. First one. Da-na-na. <laughs> I fucking love that movie, dude. It's so great. And it's like when I found out that like Pat Morita didn't have that accent and that he was doing it. He's Hawaiian. What's his character's he's not, name in Happy Days? I can't he's, a, he's the chef, right? Yeah. He works at the diner. Uh there's two. There's Al and then there's um Yeah, because it's Al's diner. They didn't want to hire him because he was a comedian. And <laughs> He showed up and they they missed his appointment, and then he showed up again, and then he met him when he does separately. the live or die thing. They want that to be really yeah. dramatic, not funny, right? <laughs> and yeah, and he fucking just did it. You know, his name is Arnold. <laughs> Arnold. Arnold. That's right. But uh, uh, I mean, we've talked about a lot of stuff this episode, so I guess we can kind of start winding things down a bit. Oh, yeah. uh, you got anything coming, Media Crypt Nate? Uh, just gonna do some kind of revamped classic designs with different colorways and stuff. I think for a little while. Oh, cool! Uh, got a couple designs in the works, but I'm not quite sure when the artists are gonna be done with it, so I can't really say. But I might take like half a month or so off of like doing the pre-order thing. It's just, it is a lot of work. 
Sounds like a great time for people to buy Fright Zone shirts. Yes, I can make those for you. (laughs) Buy a Fright Zone shirt. Fright Zone. Gotta get a Fright on. (laughs) It's going to be our new theme song. (laughs) I'm always singing to the cats and the dogs. And I've noticed that my kids will do it. (laughs) It's like, you're my little Nico. I think I love you like I know the puppy before. <laughs> or whatever. And then you'll hear the kids kind of like doing their version of that. And it just makes them uncomfortable. Too, it makes you proud, funny. though. You're like, yes, oh, yeah. That's my spawn. <laughs> yeah. They're my kids, for sure. I uh, And Emily's. <laughs> yeah. Earlier, she's like, you, and you, then you wonder why. You wonder why. They're snotty, and I'm like, I don't wonder why that happens. I know it's because I, know I am. exactly why. It's because they woke me up before 9 a.m. That's when I want to uh-huh. wake up. If I get woken up before 9 a.m., I'm a piece of shit until 9 a.m. <laughs> and then I'm fine. Once it hits 9, I'm over it. The day has started. But if I get woken up at like 6, you got three hours of like stomping around. Leave me alone. Fucking, Yeah. Just like domestic Let me take my coffee violence. downstairs to the crypt, okay? <laughs> yeah. Let me take my coffee to the crypt. Back off. Yeah. It's like, and I'm not proud of it, but, you know, it's just, it's a lot of work that early in the morning. My it brain's can be hard to get up so early sometimes. Yeah. Hogan, you got anything going on? Beautiful Franklin Plaza Barbershop here in Des Moines, Iowa. I don't, man. But Nothing. we know on the video bunker front, you do have video bunker shirts now, courtesy of Media Crypt. Yes, courtesy of Nate. Thank you. Yeah. Wait till you see him, dude. I do want to throw it out there if there are any uh, dark game watchers or snow cone makers, uh, if you could let us know if you'd like to be called carnies or not. Is that offensive to you? Yeah. Is, is dark, it, is is dark it, game watcher appropriate? Is it like the word vagabond? <laughs> <laughs> they certainly, like, sometimes they're just like out on, you know, they're just pickpocketing people or whatever. <laughs> and then other times they're helping run the dark games. <laughs> Or like loading the toilet paper in the portisans <laughs> or whatever. I remember the last time I like noticed a carny, I was at the Iowa State Fair and it was one of the like spinny rides. And I was just Are you like, sure they were looking just at a him. patron of the Iowa State Fair? Oh, yeah. No, he was okay. running the he was running the machine. <laughs> yeah, he I had a cigarette. On. He had a cigarette in his mouth. Yeah. Okay. I was spinning around all willy nilly a hundred miles per hour and I'm looking at this guy and it's just like as it's settling, it's just like I trusted my life in that guy's hands. Yeah. It's like his like socks don't match and shit. He had a <clears throat> he had a fresh watch, big gold watch. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, shit's not. They cleaned up the fair. It's not like that anymore. Now it's like they all wear polos and everything's. They give you these like digital cards, like little credit cards. They, you have to really. scan everything and like they take their job super seriously. Because what was it, like three or four years ago, a bunch of people died on some carnival ride. Really in and Iowa. No, Damn. not in Iowa, but it was like here in the Midwest, yeah. and I think it was the same like Sam's Amusements or something. Mm-hmm. And then that year, the fair was just like, man, they were real buttoned up. They used to have this really clunky mini roller coaster I went on every year as a kid, and I the genuinely was scared of it. <laughs> um, no, not that. That was the Ring of Fire. Yeah, that, that the, was that's terrifying. the one that went in, in a circle. Yes, you just go in a circle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You could um, see the bolt slowly unscrewing yeah. as you were on <laughs> yeah. it. But this one is like a little cart, kind of like a bumper car. 
and you get in it, it can fit two people. You're sandwiched in there as a, as a kid. I'm sure as an adult, you'd have to go by yourself. And the way it moves isn't graceful at all. It's like every time it hits a thing, it's like, gunk, 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 gunk. it's like a train. Wait, it's real jerky. And you go straight for just a second. You turn and then you literally like gunk, gunk, and you go straight up. You're looking at the sky. Right. And you're going up a tube. <laughs> and at you, as you reach the top of the tube, all of a sudden the car goes clunk. Bam! And then whoosh, spins around in a spiral like a slide. And it just, every turn feels like you're going to go flying off. And if you're in that thing and you fall you from that height, you are dead. <laughs> you're at least like broken arm, broken leg, and unconscious. Probably dead. And you're heading to Herbert West operating yeah, <laughs> for experiments. That's yeah. your only hope at that point. But yeah, one day I just noticed it wasn't there anymore. I was like, that's probably what happened is well, they were doing this somewhere else. And- if you want to make a few bucks, I'll tell you what, they don't care if you know how to fucking tear down carnival rides or not. You can show up afterwards and they'll give you 50 bucks to help them tear shit down. Really? Yeah. Huh. No experience needed. <laughs> you can be fucking hammered. They just need people to do that work that no one wants to do. Yep. Ooh. That fucking... Have you done Tim that? Tim McGraw concert just got out and you can stumble out of the <laughs> out of the amphitheater. I've done it once, yeah. Yeah. It was pretty great. I picked up my buddy earlier and he's working at this tattoo convention down at the High V Hall. And as we're pulling up, he's like, I think there's like a rodeo or something going on at the Wells Fargo thing. And there's this guy standing on the corner with like his Levi's and the the Boy Scout hammered belt, the huge buckle. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, there's a rodeo in town. Like, like this guy can't exist unless there's a rodeo within like a quarter mile of where he's standing. Otherwise, he's an obsolete human being. <laughs> I have fun at Buzzard Billy's. <laughs> oh, shit. Should we fire up a movie? Yeah. Get reanimated. Um, all right. Um, Mediacrypt.bigcartel.com for all your t-shirt yeah. fucking needs, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like and subscribe. Tell your friends. Uh, it, you know, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Helps out. Um, grab a shirt uh, from Mediacrypt. Uh, there's also a direct link for that at thefrightzone.com. Give us a follow on Instagram at Fright Zone Podcast. Thanks for listening. Stay spooky.